0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 162 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam? Yes? How was your weekend?
1: Oh, it was all right. I I got to go see some wrestling and uh, had to keep looking over my shoulder the whole night due to a very large angry man looking for me. But uh, maybe more on that later on in the show. Sure.
0: You know, and it's funny, under normal circumstances, most people, you'd know who they were talking about. <laughs> uh but you have so many irons in the fire. Get yourself into so many opportunities if you will. Yeah. Uh yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm on a lot of people's lists apparently. Mm. It's the list
0: that you make that get you onto these other folks' lists, I think is the issue. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And hey Joe, didn't I see on on the the Facebook or I forget what they're calling it nowadays. I guess it's got a new gimmick now, but uh uh, isn't it your wedding, uh, anniversary today? Yeah, I was gonna mention that during This Day in Wrestling
0: History. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's a perfect segue, Adam. I'm gonna, uh, hit the music for that.
1: Oh, you're hitting music this week. Nice. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents... This Day in Wrestling History.
0: I missed one music cue. <laughs> Uh, and I'll say this, I didn't realize it at the time. Cause like I do, I have a new way where I do the cuts on stuff, you know,
1: Uh huh.
0: and, you know, I did it and I think maybe there was an episode of, and we'll get into this day in wrestling history. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't forget out the music and write down the time and everything, um, where it was either you or, uh, Matt, the bassist, as it were on one of the Patreon shows. Where it was like, yeah, the first, like, 17 minutes is just dead air.
1: That was me pointing that out Okay. Because I'm quality control. That's why I signed up for the Patreon.
0: Right. So it was just one of those things where, like, I did all the editing and stuff, but I forgot to move the track to the beginning of the file. Yeah. (laughs) Where I went and I looked and see, when you had tweeted me on Friday, like, afternoon or whatever it was, like, the show had already been up for, like, 12 hours, you know? Yeah. And I'm like did I make it like, th- how bad did I screw this up? And I went and I pulled up like the mix pad thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, there's the cut. And I didn't like move the tracks and put the mute, like put the song in, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, eh, it's too late to fix it now. Like if I'd gotten it within like the first hour or two, I yeah. would have did it for like 12 hours. I think like, yeah, the window's closed. You know, there's nothing I could do at this point.
1: At that point, like, thousands of people have already downloaded the episode, so it's, like, really no point, you know?
0: Exactly. Millions, if not thousands, right?
1: Well, thousands of people listened to it. Millions downloaded it to listen to it later. Right. You know. Uh,
0: But uh, on this day in wrestling history, Adam, in 2006, uh, from the ECW Arena, Chikara held the Cybernetico Forever event. Uh, which also featured such matches as uh, Rorschach taking on Reckless Youth. Uh, Excalibur taking on Player Uno, who you might know better these days as uh, Evil Uno. Is that his oh, name?
1: You got evil sense now. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, Shane Hawk taking on Twiggy, which, uh, you know, we could talk about it. Uh, uh, we'll come back to that here in a second. Um, Max Boye taking on Eric Cannon. Uh, The Order of the Neo-Solar Temple, which was Crossbones, Hydra, and Ultramantis Black, taking on Equinox, uh, Fire Ant, and Soldier Ant. And then the main event of the Tornado Cybernetico was Icarus, Akuma, Larry Sweeney, Claudio Castagnoli, Chris Hero, the Tomaselli Brothers, uh, taking on Hollow Wicked, Cheech and Cloudy, Quack, Eddie Kingston, shane storm and uh the north star express uh as well a couple so the reason i mentioned this is because in my tenure at that point with chikara this was the first show that i missed because it was also the day of my wedding 15 years ago
1: no you probably got shit for it too didn't you
0: (laughs) no no i i you know i i didn't get any shit for it um you know because We had planned the date months and months in advance, and then this wasn't a date that was on the schedule. Back in those days, we would get, like, the first half of the year, which would be, like— Because Chikara back then would only run, like, February to November, right? Mm -hmm. So sometime in, like, December, January, we would get February to, let's say, August, like, July-August. Okay, and then, by the time that we got to the summer, like may ish we would get like the rest of the year schedule, right, okay, uh so by the time that I got the rest of the year schedule, I had already planned the date for my wedding, and I'm like, I can't be there, it's my wedding, I'm not gonna move the date, you know, um, but maybe more on that later, the fact that uh on on that day, I could have been in the e c w arena uh but we'll come back to that. But also on this day, so there's a match on this card, specifically Shane Hawk versus Twiggy, um, that that may have been one of the first leaked Quack emails. Because uh, after the show, Quack would send out an email like talking about the card once it was done and edited, and he got a chance to watch it on SmartMark Video. And back in the day, he was a lot more salty in regards to this and a lot more scathing and stuff. And he was particularly scathing in regards to that match. Mm. And then somehow that email got leaked out to other people. And that was the beginning of, you know, maybe a little bit more public discourse uh, in regards to what a bad person Mike Quackenbush may or may not be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah.
0: Uh, also, uh, though, on this day in wrestling history, uh, 1989, is a Philadelphia-centric this day in wrestling history. Uh, 1989, uh, World Championship Wrestling held their first ever Halloween Havoc event from the Philadelphia Civic Center. Uh, really top to bottom, great card. I'm not sure if we watched it here on the show, um, but I feel as though this is a show that I've seen like many, many, many times. Um, most notably, because the main event of Ric Flair and Sting taking on the Great Muda and Terry Funk in a Thunderdome cage match with Bruno Sammartino as special guest referee, and each team has a cornerman, as called during this, their designated Terminator, where the match can only end where your designated Terminator <laughs> throws in the towel for your team. <laughs>
1: I can say that I have not seen this because, number one, none of this sounds familiar. Number two, it happened before wrestling began in 1990. So it's, it's outside my thing.
0: It's, it's, a, it's a very good show top to bottom. There's some clunky stuff in here. Um, but, like, there's a match of, like, Doom, which is Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. Uh, like, it's their debut as the gimmick against the Steiner brothers. And it's just, like, four big giant dudes just, like, clattering the shit out of each other for 10 minutes mm. and if that's not enough there's also the road warriors versus danny spivey and sid vicious which is another match of just like six foot five gas to the gills guys just like beating <laughs> the shit out of each other it's great you know <laughs> uh right. you're selling lex me on luger, that yeah lex luger versus brian pillman which is a great match um the free birds kind of at the like waning days of their usefulness taking on the dynamic dudes and it's Philly and the dudes are supposed to be the baby faces, and the crowd just tears them to the shreds. Hmm. And uh eagle eyed viewers, especially during the main event, uh when they do a crowd shot when the baby faces are coming out, might see a young man uh dressed up as Sting, and that young man, I say young man, he's probably like in his mid twenties, uh, is the Sandman.
1: <laughs> All right, I gotta see that picture then.
0: Right, it's 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 like one of those like real quick. It's like if you were to try to get, like a screenshot exists, but it's kind of like a blurry screenshot of it. If you go yeah. watch it on the Peacock, you can kind of maybe do like a like a, a frame by frame and catch them, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But we're, uh. Oh, sorry.
1: I was gonna say you weren't dealing with the highest resolutions back then. Exactly.
0: It's about like a VHS master from Turner Home Entertainment that they tried to like HD up as much as they could, you know? Yeah. Uh, but also on this day in wrestling history, uh, also from Philadelphia, also from the ECW arena, 26 years ago, uh, ECW held an event where a ton of huge things happened. This was one of those events that did not get released on VHS. Uh, most of it was just chopped up for TV. Uh, there's a La Parca and Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio and Conan match. Uh, Mikey Whipwreck beats the Sandman for the title. Uh, it's the debut of Ray Deadly as stuttering Ray Deadly. Hmm. Uh, he had done a previous non TV match where he was like, whatever his gimmick was in the Indies beforehand. And they're like, no, you're going to be a stuttering idiot, you know?
1: <laughs> well, they got the second part, right?
0: Yes. And, uh, I was at this event, Adam. Oh yeah. And I, you know, we could really delve into the nuts and bolts of this one, but you can go listen to me on between the sheets last year. Uh, Where we really get into it, because it's the uh, infamous fire chair incident at the ECW Arena.
1: Oh, okay. yep, that's one of the uh, the, the, the 10-hour episodes of Between the Sheets that I listen to.
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh, So the funny thing is that connects this date, of course, uh, 1995, the fire chair incident, uh, my wedding, and the Chikara event that happened, same day as my wedding, 15 years ago uh at the ecw arena so when we're planning our wedding you know we're at the venue that we're going to have the wedding at we want to have an october wedding they show us the calendar and here's the dates that are available to us and i see one of the dates that are available to us because we're going to have our wedding uh on a saturday we're not monsters you know yeah and uh i see the 28th of october is available and i go Ooh, we're going to pick the 28th of october (laughs) and they're like oh that date's available and so on and so forth and the reason I picked that date was uh, because something, ca- you know, something uh, 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 huge in my life had already happened on October 28th. And the way it works for me to remember things, if I could stack a whole bunch of things on the same date, you know? Yeah. Um, and my buddy Brian, formerly of several podcasts that no longer exists on this website, former editor of Longbox Heroes, his daughter was actually born uh, on October 28th on 2007 so it's like more and more things packed up on that one day so it's like i can never forget october 28th uh for the life of me it, like outside of it being my anniversary of the ecw arena show uh my uh brian's uh daughter sam's birthday all those sort of things uh yeah so it's good to stack things up on the same day it makes them all easier to remember because if you forget one you're forgetting them all
1: yeah, hopefully at some point, like maybe in the future on October 28th, something good will happen in wrestling that didn't happen in Philly.
0: I don't know. Philly seems to be a hotbed for professional wrestling.
1: Yeah, well, better than New Jersey, I guess. Yeah. No.
0: So that's it. That was, uh, like I said, a busy day in wrestling history. Uh, Adam, uh, let's get into our likes and our dislikes, huh?
1: Sure. I guess I will start things off, and I'll start things off with a dislike, Joe. And I think this is an obvious one. You know, I'm sure that we might cross over on it. And, uh, you know, you never want to see anybody lose their jobs. So this one sucked. Uh, so, But since the last time we recorded, uh, Brian Myers cut Manny Lemons and Sam Beal from the learning tree. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, you know, you can expect it with Manny Lemons, but the Sam Beal one was a shocker. You know, you, you thought that they would have seen more in him, but... Uh, You know, when Beal was future endeavored, it was heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, the how to be a professional segments are my favorite thing about impact, you know, other than spooky Brandy Lauren. And uh, I was really just sad to see, you know, that roster cut down like that so unexpectedly. And uh, I guess other people got released this week or have the ability to go looking for other jobs. But this is the one that really registered with me.
0: Well, uh, you know, uh, if you were watching, well, before we started recording, of course, I was able to watch before the impact, which I didn't even know was a thing.
1: Oh, that's Uh, basically how you watch like the entire pay-per-view without paying for it. You just have to watch because they show like the entire matches like cut down a little bit. But, you know, like if there's a pay-per-view this weekend, you put on uh, the before the impact and they're like, oh, here's all the things that happened, you know?
0: Gotcha. Uh, So uh, I guess Sam Beal took on very serious Keith, a.k.a. VSK on that. Uh, VSK won, uh, VSK, Zicky Dice, and Brian Myers proceeded to beat down Sam Beal. And this was revenge because Sam Beal, uh, eliminated Brian Myers from whatever their Royal Rumble knockoff is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what's called. <laughs> right, right. So then, uh, Willie Mack and, uh, uh, Rich Swan came out to make the save. So while Sam Beal's uh journey under the learning tree may have ended, uh the program, the the the, the situation with him and Brian is far from over.
1: Well I'm glad to see you landed on his feet. That's all that i
0: I just hope it ends with eventually Brian following Sam Beal, because that would be like the true culmination of all of this, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so you kind of intimated it uh at it a little bit there. Um I have a dislike this week, and that is the disillusion of the contract status of all the Ring of Honor performers. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, this uh this kind of really sucks, you know. Um I know myself uh can count themselves as a Ring of Honor fan from back from the very beginnings. I know a lot of people got into it during the summer of punk or maybe the end of the summer of punk stuff. Maybe a lot of people got into it during the dragon gate stuff, but for a lot of people for the last like 20 years, this was independent wrestling for them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's the personal side for me. But the other part of it is it doesn't look great, but uh, all of their, so Sinclair, whatever your opinions of Sinclair as a company and mine are pretty low. Uh, But during the last, like, almost two years of the pandemic, they kept everyone under contract, they signed people to new deals, they hired new people, and they tried to keep people on paid under their contracts without running shows for as long as they could. And unfortunately, it got to a point where they just decided they couldn't do it anymore. And they essentially released everyone from their contracts— Everyone's taking independent bookings immediately. There's no 30 or 60 whatever day waiting thing, you know. Uh, as we record, they just announced that on the Beyond Uncharted Territory show next weekend. Hot sauce Tracy Williams is going to be on. And he's one of those guys at the top of my list that I really wanted to see land on their feet, uh, get tons and tons of bookings out of this. And I'm glad that he is. Um, but all those contracted people are still going to be paid out to their on their contracts until the end of the year. If their contract was past the beginning of the year, then they're going to be paid out to March 31st. Um, Their plan is they still have two more shows that they're running this year and, like, sets of TVs alongside them up to Final Battle. And then they plan on doing, like, a soft relaunch Mania weekend. Now, the main thing about this is, is with them releasing everyone from their contracts, that just means they're essentially treating themselves as an indie where everyone's just getting paid on the date, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's so much up in the air about this. There's a lot of people that are speculating that like, they're never going to come back. Like final battle this year is going to be final battle. It'll be the last show. Um, a lot of people speculating it's like, Oh, they should do this match in the car show and this. And then there's all the talk of the tape library and the whole thing just sucks, man. You know? Um, Kudos to Sinclair for trying to keep it as long as they can be, but you know, not running shows. Um, there's a lot of good people at Ring of Honor, uh, currently, a lot of great talented people, and hopefully, and it's sad to say, you know, there was a time where Ring of Honor was the place where you would see a lot of these talents. But lately, I think maybe like the last like four or five years, Ring of Honor really wasn't the place to see a lot of those talents for a variety of reasons. and hopefully, them becoming independent contractors again will hopefully get a lot more eyes on some of those hidden talents that maybe really everyone hasn't gotten a chance to see as much of in the last couple years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that I have the attachment to Ring of Honor that, you know, you or a lot of the listeners do. I know that this came as like a huge blow to a lot of people from their fandom standpoint. Like, obviously, I joked about it earlier. It sucks to see good people lose their jobs or you know, lose that guaranteed income. But from a fan standpoint, like I know a lot of people were like, oh, this is what got me into wrestling. You know, if it wasn't for ring of honor, I wouldn't be the fan or the wrestler that I am today or any of that. So, so I'm not that guy. I I've popped in and out of ring of honor over the years. I haven't been watching it, you know, since the big AEW exodus, you know, but you know, it does stink to have one less national company, you know, and, uh, you could say that they might come back, but if you're planning on coming back, your tape library is your most valuable asset. If you're selling that off, that's like you're scrapping things for parts. So I, I don't like the prospects of that. You know? Well, they're not. They're
0: not selling the tape library. There's Everyone rumored that they're selling the tape library, and everyone's assuming that Tony Khan is going to attempt to buy the tape library. But Ring of Honor's tape library is so screwy because of the Sinclair purchase. Sinclair only has access that they can like as far as we know from 2012 to current, which is still a lot of stuff, man. Like that's the the beginnings of the elite and AEW as we know it and included in that is all out. Because mm-hmm. it was a Ring of Honor produced show, but they don't own the rights to it, but they own like the release of it. It's, like, a very sticky thing, and a lot of people are assuming that's why Tony Khan would want to buy the tape library, because he wants that part of the AEW history to be under whatever it is. And then there was discussion, like, a week ago where Tony Khan was looking to start a streaming service where, like, all the past episodes of Dynamite and the pay-per-views and everything else can live somewhere online, and what better way to bolster that tape library um, than to have, you know, that whatever it is nine years of a lot of these guys that are currently on your roster like where they came from right
1: no i get you but i mean where there's smoke there's fire right so then there's the
0: discussion of let's say whatever it is like 2008 to 2012 where they were on hdnet who owns that stuff does sinclair own that stuff does hdnet own that stuff who owns that stuff Then you have the 2004 to 2008, 2009 stuff where like, okay, was that sold when Carrie Silken purchased the company? And then even the earlier stuff before Carrie purchased the company, because not all of that stuff is up on Honor Club, only bits and pieces and only assorted full shows. And a lot of people were speculating that obviously there was music rights issues. I made a joke on Twitter that there was a lot of racist homophobic misogynistic and just really horrible language throughout a lot of the commentary on those shows and backstage promos and stuff that i'm sure they wouldn't want to see the light of day so they were just like "eh, we don't really need to work on that so there is a lot of question as to how and who those rights are going to be i don't think you're going to see any sort of movement on what that's what's going to happen with that tape library until at least like middle of next year because after final battle Up until that WrestleMania relaunch weekend, even if that does happen, the next three months of TV on Ring of Honor at the beginning of 2022 is going to be all like best of stuff. Yeah. So they're going to burn through a lot of that catalog in those three months of TV leading up to their inevitable relaunch, you know, in conjunction with WrestleMania weekend next year.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean... It, it, again, it sucks to see what people are a huge fan of go away. Uh, I hope that the WWE doesn't end up owning any of this content. You know, I don't want to see it end up on the cock. Mm-hmm. But the, the moral of the story is reach out to kayfabe collectibles and buy a bunch of DVDs, I guess. <laughs> well, I have a
0: lot of those DVDs in my basement as well. Um, oh, there's an opportunity. And a yeah. lot of them are really rare, you know?
1: Yeah. All right, well, we can we can start up that sale. <laughs> no, nah, I don't think so. All right, my turn. I'm going to go with a dislike again. And this time it's going to be AEW Dynamite from like last week because we had two Dynamites and it kind of bleeds over into this week. But specifically, it started off with... Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black three from AEW Dynamite last week. So initially, I was going to put this in my likes because Cody was getting booed. There was tons of "Cody sucks" chants. It was basically a one sided slaughter for a long time where Malachi was just beating the tar off of Cody, and I was loving it for a while. But then there was tons of interference from members of the Nightmare Factory. They sent out Andrade. They sent out Pac. You know, uh, Arn Anderson gets the mist. Malachi hits one of his devastating, like, roundhouse kicks. Cody is, like, fine 20 seconds later. So that pissed me off. But then he kills uh, Aleister Black. And my big reason for putting this in my dislikes is people, including yourself, want to give Cody credit for losing to Brody or losing to Aleister Black or whoever. But at the end of the day, Cody always gets his win back. And you know you could say, oh well, the program is still going. They just introduced Andrade or Andrade into it and Pack into it, and it's just going to be this one big tag team thing. But as far as like the Cody versus Malachi thing, the last one on one matchup that I think you're going to get out of this before they move everybody onto different opponents is Cody getting the win. And like it, it's just it's in my dislikes because it proved my point. At the end of the day, Cody's always going to be triumphant. And then he had his little promo before the match that wasn't a bad promo. Uh, This, I'm sorry, this was the promo on this week's Dynamite. Wasn't a bad promo for a while, where he was basically saying that his brother was much better in the ring than him, and he'll never hold a candle to the legacy of his father. I'm like, okay, these are the first truthful things. Cody has said in a promo in a long time, but then he goes and hammers home the fact that I'll never turn. Cause I love you guys too much. Unless this is leading into him being like a broski style. Like I love my fans, you know, wink type of heel turn. Uh, I'm just sick of it. Cause it's so tone deaf. And again, that's what you can expect from Cody Rhodes, but this, all of that stuff from the past two episodes of dynamite that happened this week are in my dislikes.
0: Uh, so this is in my dislikes as well. Oh, there we go. Not so much the match, but more so Cody's promo from Dynamite this week. Um Cody, I think, is intentionally making himself the worst baby face in wrestling history. <laughs> um But I think so, I think what he's hoping for is is by making himself the worst babyface in wrestling history he's going to somehow become like ironically the best babyface in wrestling <laughs> um and th- so the one thing that people forget and i get reminded of this cuz i listen to uh you know i mentioned them before between the sheets but i listen to uh what happened when the tony Shivani, conrad thompson podcast where they're watching all the old uh 1986 jim crockett promotion wcw nwa stuff so like there'd be times where Dusty would come out and cut promos and like the crowd, like and Dusty was supposed to be positioned as like the number one babyface, and the crowd would heal on Dusty and Dusty during his promo would start healing back on the crowd in like 1986. So people forget that. You know, you, you just remember all whatever it was about Dusty and like this image that we've all created, but you have to also remember it's been... Maybe the last like five or six years, maybe since Dusty's passing and then maybe his time in NXT with working with like that crop of WWF people that for a long time, both like smart fans and not so smart fans and letter writing letter like sheet fans all hated Dusty and said he was the worst. He was past his prime. He never put anyone over Um He would cut these self-serving promos that went nowhere and benefited no one. Um, He would always make sure that he was right up next to the hottest acts when he was no longer the hot act. Does this remind you of anyone currently?
1: No, it's not ringing a bell. Okay.
0: Uh, So, again, I really can't rag on Cody the man that much. But this promo, like, I, I like the match on Friday. I get where you're coming from. Like, it ends with Cody wins, LOL. But the the part of the promo where he's like, uh, on, on Wednesday this week, where he's like, I had him in the double underhook. And I could have did the Tiger Driver 98, just like Excalibur called it. Uh, or I did that move, but I could have did another move. And you all know what move I'm talking about. And then I could have been just like that guy who does that move. and under normal circumstances, you want to poke fun at what WWF did to some of these guys and what Triple H did to some of these guys. But I don't know, like the last two months, Triple H is like in poor health and maybe like super ill. So, I don't know, let's maybe let's give let's give him the month off. Let's give you know what, I'll say give him until the end of the year off before I really say anything bad about Triple H, okay? Yeah, let him convalesce. Yeah, you know, wait till Vince is dead and then maybe we could start taking some shots at Triple H, right? <laughs> um but yeah, that that Cody promo was real bad.
1: Yeah. All right, well, I kind of stole one of yours. You want me to go? I have two. You know what?
0: I'll go go to like, because we're talking about AEW, and uh, for the most part, Dynamite this week was really good, and I tend to, like, go toward matches, and there were promos and stuff that happened on Dynamite on Saturday and Dynamite on Wednesday that we could talk about, but eventually it's going to build up to a match that's happening on Friday that I'm sure will be in our likes next week, so I'll say... The booking and the reveal of Hangman Adam Page in the main event, Dark Order versus uh the Elite
1: Boys, the the killer elite, what do they call themselves now? Uh the super elite. The super elite. Yes. Uh, See, Joe, it depends on what guys you have in there to get a different name. Because if it's if it's the Bucks and Kenny, it's the elite. If it's the Bucks and Adam Cole, it's the super click. But if it's all four, it's the super elite that you got to know your elite lore, Joe. (laughs) No, no, it's 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 the it's the elite boys. But I
0: I thought the way that everything was set up, I love a good Halloween costume wrestling match. There was a lot more little stuff in there that people were pointing out specifically seeds of stuff between Kenny Omega and Adam Cole. Mm hmm. Uh, even though, I, like I said, I joked online with uh, DJ from We Need Wrestling that there were at least three people in that match that were swimming in boys' mediums, uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters outfits. <laughs> but the setup, the build, the reveal of Adam Page, uh, Hangman Adam Page as the Stay of Marshmallow Man, I thought was great. Um, yeah. they're really building up this whole thing. Um, and it's really making me feel that Paige is going to win the belt at the pay-per-view in two weeks. Um, You know, they kind of pulled the rug out from underneath this once before with that, but obviously there were outside the ring circumstances that they needed to kind of put the, you know, put a hold on it. But these last couple of weeks really feel like the, the rocket has been strapped. We're headed to uh, the pay-per-view on the sixth
1: and uh, we're going to have a new champion. Yeah. Now, Joe, this was also in my likes this week.
0: Hey, look at that. All this crossover.
1: For many of the reasons you said, I will just throw in. uh, Obviously, you mentioned all the costumes. Uh, I will give the flowers to the Elite for their Ghostbusters gear. Uh, I know you won't. Uh, The... Uh, the Dark Order with their kind of mix and match themes. We had uh, a Kratos citing the second one of the week. Uh, we had Anna Jay who admitted on Twitter that she accidentally dressed as a girl cow instead of a girl, which I think is just brilliant. But I, I love the Halloween theme to it. I can watch the elite versus various members of the Dark Order over and over again. I think that those stables have great chemistry together. And I wish I hadn't had this the reveal of Hangman as Dave Puff spoiled on me. I was watching the show maybe an hour or two later. I actually tried to consume the entire week's worth of wrestling last night. <laughs> you know, so I was watching last night's uh dynamite at probably like two o'clock in the morning. And by then, out of boredom, I was scrolling through Twitter and you could not avoid the the gifs and the pictures of Hangman, you know, doing the reveal. But when I went and watched it back. That reveal just tore the roof off of that building like it was CM Punk or Daniel Bryan, you know, showing up. So if they do not give the strap to Hangman, I'm going to have to question some of the praise that I've been heaping on AEW lately, but I think that it will happen and i don't neither of us gave any credit to last week um but the i think it was last week for our show the hangman promo where he kind of addressed him going away and having his kid and you know talking about the insecurities that he did have and how he didn't think he was good enough when he went for the title previously but now he is you know kind of mentally there and he's going to do cowboy shit and i i really like that promo and i don't think either of us gave it any any mention
0: no it it was um the first Saturday night dynamite. So that would have been like two
1: weeks ago, I guess. Yeah. It's very hard to keep these things in order now.
0: Yeah. Um, it was really good, but I think there was just other stuff that kind of like bumped it from one of our respective lists were, you know? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I sit here and I'm like, ah, this will probably be something that'll end up on Adam's list. So we'll, uh, you know, I, I feel safe leaving it off my list because Adam will probably bring it up. But like this week, I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm putting the stuff I want to talk about on, on my list. Whether we cross over as we have on like two out of the four things, and I have a feeling we might cross over on one more. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but yeah, just this is the way the show works. Sometimes, you know.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I have a like left. All right. Go ahead. All right. Strap in. This was a this is a big one. All right. All right. I, it might surprise some people, but my final like is like all of NXT Halloween Havoc. <laughs> Okay. And let me go down. The, oh, I'm sorry, NXT Two Point Glow Halloween Havoc. So, Jonah, uh, is this you? <laughs> no, let me start from the very beginning. We had a Stairway to Hell ladder match with Gigi Dolan and JC Jane versus Io Shirai and Zoe Stark versus Indy and her friend. Now, what happens when you take a bunch of green-as-grass wrestlers and tell them to put on an NXT-quality ladder match? Uh, murders are accidentally done left and right, which was just pretty interesting. Zoe almost blows her knee up, totally nailing a top rope twisty splash. EO takes, like, a neck-first dive onto a ladder to the outside. I've turned a corner, Joe. I am a toxic attraction, Mark, now. To, oh. And, and to, to quote a great man from another podcast, sup, Gigi Dolan. Uh, But uh, later on in the show, my favorite stable got even stronger when Mandy Rose won the women's title in a hardcore classic. Uh, We had great, great party scenes. We're getting glow, Joe, because there was lots of dancing in that party scene. Uh, We got furthering of the story of Cameron Grimes not being able to get girls. Uh, sup, Cora Jade. Uh, we got to see some Lumberjacks totally whiff on catching a top rope dive as the least over babyface tag champs in NXT history lose to Imperium. Uh, then we got to see Chompa dressed as Kratos, plus the cinematic story of Melo and Trig trying to get the North American title back from Gargano and, and Dexter Loomis. I actually watched this show, and between like wh- like covering my eyes out of horror, because I'm like, oh my god, these people are going to kill each other legitimately in the ring and like legit laughing at the the Gargano stuff and the party stuff. This was the first episode of NXT I've enjoyed in a long, long, long time. So I am somewhat ironically and somewhat unironically putting this episode of NXT into my likes.
0: Yeah, we didn't cross over on that. <laughs> um, this was fine. I, I get what they're trying to do. Um, the the biggest problem, of course, is a lot of the stuff that you mentioned with, like, taking huge risks with people that aren't ready to be taking these sort of risks. Um, whether it be Io Shirai, like, getting murked on that ladder spot, um, Zoe Stark botching that 450, nobody catching the dive in the main event. Uh, Those sort of things I'm concerned about. I get you want to treat this more as a developmental thing, but we can't be doing big, crazy matches like this.
1: Yeah, but if you're gonna, if you're gonna, it's kind of like a car wreck. You got to watch it.
0: I guess. I don't know. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of wrestling for me to be watching. uh, And I'm not going to say that I'm not going to watch NXT because I do watch NXT. I just watch it Wednesday morning and stuff. Uh-huh. I gotta update the spreadsheet and stuff. By the way, Indy's friend has a name. It's Persia Parada. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, all right. I uh, see. I again, you haven't shared the spreadsheet with me yet. You gotta put I me on ca- that. All. I, I
0: can't. List. I can't share the spreadsheet yet, just because I don't like the way it's formatted yet. Okay. I I have to like change it somehow. Um, I have an idea on how I have to do it because like right now it's just like week by week where I just have like everyone's name as they appear, you know. Hmm.
1: But I it's-
0: need to. I. I need to format it better.
1: It's still in beta. I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like alpha. It's not even beta. It's alpha. All
1: right. I I think that that party scene is going to update the spreadsheet a lot. Plus, uh, I was watching it and I said to myself, poor Kyle O'Reilly. You know, I was watching him in the party scene and I was like, man, like three months ago, you were in a feud with Finn Balor and like having amazing matches and. Six or like maybe a year ago you were an undisputed heir and and now you're like with that dude who likes to drink and and camp, and I don't know anything other than that <laughs>
0: well, that's von. Va- oh first of all, excuse me, that's von Wagner uh <laughs> this week, he and Kyle are friends. He's also very unconventional,
1: oh, oh that there we go, that explains it
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so okay, so when I was cataloging the the party. Uh-huh. I only added them to the spreadsheet if they had a speaking role.
1: They had a speaking role?
0: No, but what I'm saying is there was a lot of people in that party scene, but there were a lot of people that didn't have speaking roles.
1: Oh, okay. They were saying Kyle didn't.
0: I no, Kyle did. Uh, they were dressed as uh, what? Uh, Von Wagner was dressed as Brad Pitt from Legends of the, of the Fall. <laughs> uh, which is hilarious because he looks like a Cro-Magnon man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm, again. I, I'm glad you're enjoying your your NXT two-point glow.
1: It, it was a one-time thing. You know, it was maybe just the Halloween Havoc glow that was on it. You know, pun not intended, but... Right. <sighs> so my, That's all...
0: my last like, Adam... Yes. Uh, ...would be the uh, LVAC show this past weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I figured I'd save that for you.
0: <laughs> Off the bottom, had a great time. Um... You know, it was a really good show when it comes out at Smart Smartmark uh, or the Square of Opposition site. You know, it's not going to stream on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Sadly, that's still a sticking point. You know, we're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, but definitely check out this show. Um, like I said, a lot of great talent, a lot of new faces on the shows, a lot of returning faces. It was good to be back in Sokol's after almost two years of not being in that building.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I got to call matches with Mantis. I got to call matches with Avery Good, comma, professional wrestler. And uh, something that I didn't realize uh, would ever happen is I got a chance to call a match with uh, Ian Riccoboni, currently of
1: Ring of Honor. Yeah, no, I saw that. That was awesome.
0: Yeah, uh, Ian is arguably one of the best guys out there. Um, And I think just because he just does Ring of Honor mostly, um, a lot of people don't realize how good he is at his job. Um, but with everything that happened with Ring of Honor these last couple of days, I think a lot more people are like, yeah, he's on, like, the short list of people that immediately should be, like, if, if you're Tony Connor, if you're Scott Demore, if you're whoever, and you could only pick three or five people or whatever it is from Ring of Honor, like, that's all the budget, quote-unquote, will allow. And if Ian's not on that list, then, like, you're making a mistake, because he's just, like, unbelievable at his job. He came in at the last minute, um... If you, Adam, remember the guy who cut the promo coming back from intermission, the guy in the Spangly suit whose name I forget?
1: Uh, I remember that he was in a Spangly suit, but I also forget his name, yes.
0: Yes. So he was originally slated to do
1: commentary for that
0: um, match. And, you know, after the meeting, my, I, I grab Mantis. I go, hey, we got to go grab so-and-so uh, and make sure that he's good to go because he's slotted for commentary. I just want to get with him and make sure he's, you know, we're square in what we're going to talk about. And uh, we go up to him, we find him, and uh, Mantis is like, hey, man, you're, you're good to go for commentary in that match. He's like, oh, no, there's no way I'm going to be able to do commentary. Hmm. So we had to scramble to find someone, and we were just trying to kind of work out the pieces. Uh Bacabella was going to be in, but he ha- ended up leaving like right after intermission because he has a long ride home uh, back to Central States or wherever he was working that night. And uh, as like intermission is like wrapping up, Mantis is like, yeah, it's going to be you and Ian. I'm like, oh, my God, Ian's here. That's amazing. It's like, yeah, you guys are going to call that match. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, So that was like a really cool moment for me. It's a lot of times like I'm at the point where I've been doing this for so long and I currently do it so infrequently. Um, I don't realize like, oh, I have this bucket list thing or this bucket list thing. I don't have a list of these things. I don't have a list of demands that I'm going to make to anyone of what I want to happen in the remainder of my wrestling or podcasting career, you know. Yeah, um, it's just I kind of sort of fall ass backwards into these things. And uh, one of them was getting to call an Alex Shelley match and getting to call an Alex Shelley match against um, one of my very good friends. Uh, and to see that, that match was amazing. Uh, you like, that's like not to take anything else away from the rest of the show, because the rest of the show is exactly what you expect from an LVAC show. Uh, this match, Avery Good against Alex Shelley would be a four-plus star match on any card that you put it on, LVAC or otherwise. And it was just amazing that uh, the LVAC guys got that match, Um, you know, just the way things kind of worked out. And uh, it worked out well for Alex Shelley. It worked out well for uh, Avery Good. And hopefully it does well for, like, DVD and MP4 sales, you
1: know? Yeah. Uh, As a fan, like, obviously, I I went to this just to, you know, as a fan... Hit the bar, started <laughs> chance, you know, just sat in the crowd or stood in the crowd and and had a blast. So as a fan, the reveal of Alex Shelley being the mystery opponent, you know, you didn't give me the Iggy. Nobody told me beforehand. So I learned what everybody else learned. I popped huge for that. The match, as you said, was phenomenal. Uh, I think, and I, I've heard this many other places, I, I believe they said it on uh on uh, final wrestling place that uh, uh, this match I'm sure will happen for bigger stakes very soon and rightfully so you know but uh I again I'm not going to go to up and down the card but you know the scramble match or, I'm sorry not the scramble match like the big tag team match that had like Dan Champion and Kaya McKenna and CPA and Lucky and all those guys in it that was a really good time um my only problem was like I'm standing in the front row like I'm right next to the ring and after the boars match, I was like, hey, buddy, what's going on, you know? And I'm like, he kind of comes out with the ropes. Like, I think he's going to dap me up. But the guy took a swing. He, he literally went to kick me. Like, if it wasn't for my quick maneuverability, uh, I would have got kicked right in the mush. And I would not have recovered from that. But, uh, yeah, again, I, I'm very worried about the fact that uh, a very, very, very large man is hostile towards me. But... Other than that, like, that was very sobering, I'll tell you that. Like, uh, (laughs) but other than that, it was good to see Brett and DJ there, you know, out and about uh, with their uh, spiritual advisor, Doug. It was good to see your wife there and see you in person again. But the LVAC shows are amazing. Like, they took very good care as far as, like, making sure as you were coming in you know, you had to show your ID to make sure you're over 21. I just barely made it for that. Uh, you know, show your oh vaccination, boy. show your vaccination card had to be masked up for the whole thing. Um, I got some free masks. I got a free Elvac burger towel, <laughs> which was nice, <laughs> but like, it was just a really good time. Uh, I wish I lived closer so that I could have like partied, you know, downstairs and not had to like, you know, make the trip back home. But, uh, Really good time. It would have been in my likes if I didn't think that you were going to already talk about it. For sure. And I'm glad
0: you called the burger towels because I was calling them burger towels on commentary as well.
1: <laughs> I learned from you, sir.
0: Uh, I'm glad my influence that I steal from other people is reaching uh, <laughs> more and more folks without having to give credit to those problematic folks that say these things originally.
1: Exactly. You're, you're giving it a, a new coat of paint and claiming it as your own.
0: Yes. Perfect. So that's our likes and di- dislikes. Uh, let's get into.
1: Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework.
0: Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. The homework, uh, that I assigned from this past week, uh, now, uh, so what I assigned Adam was, uh, 2012's, uh, King of Trios Night 3 from Chikara. If you did not get a chance to watch this, it does exist over on, uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, uh, you could certainly check it out there, but you can go over to uh, our friend Kevin's uh, website, Masked Library, and you can re-read his recap of it. Um, I will forgive him for any of the errors and so forth that he made. Maybe we'll address some of them here. Uh, but I will say I did not need to take notes on this because <laughs> I just went—I just went and got my notebook from the night of the show uh, back then because I keep all my notebooks, you know, all the things that i write in like my commentary notes and like match orders and if i'm working the door like what the paid gate and all that sort of stuff was so i have all that stuff here so i'm just going off my notes then because uh my handwriting then was a lot more legible than it is today
1: yeah well when it's time to put asa through college you got to sell those books because i think you got a gold mine right there Nah, you'd be surprised there's got to be a, a Chakar or just an indie wrestling super fan or maybe you have a stalker or something like that. <laughs> they would just really want those books. So you never know.
0: Possibly. You never Listen.
1: know. All right. All right. Well, let me get my vocal cords ready because I feel like this is going to be a long one. But there were four event centers that you had me watch prior to the events, all of them hosted by Bryce Remsberg. Uh, Just real quick, the first one at four minutes and 35 seconds, not that anybody was counting, uh, featured Tommy Dreamer talking about his Extreme Trios uh, partners and Jerry Lynn and Two Cold Scorpio. Unfortunately, they were not involved in the show that we watched. And then Icarus has a promo where he shoots on some of his Japanese opponents that he'd be facing in the earlier rounds. Again, it didn't come up for night three. Uh, In the second event center, which was eight minutes and 55 seconds. Not that anybody's counting. We had a green ant promo, uh, which was fine, all well and good. But then we had basically an hour and a half quack promo. This uh, this makes me long for the EC3 free the narrative promo. That's how long this one felt like it was. But uh, yeah, he talks about, you know, not necessarily having to be the face of the company anymore. And, uh, you know. No, he, don't, been- he, he He don't get it. I realized I was setting myself up as I was saying it, but I didn't know if I wanted to give the pause. Uh, He doesn't need to be the the head of the company, you know, from a public standpoint anymore. Uh, Probably would have been for the best, not knowing what we know now, but he can be more hardcore and be more vicious. Uh, The third one was a 3.0 promo where they talk about their pairing with Akuma being like on a blind date and that they found chemistry with him, which I thought was good. And in the fourth and final event center, we have, like, a card rundown with the match graphics. We have a throwbacks promo featuring uh, Dasher, Mr. Touchdown, and Matt Classic. Matt Classic asks uh, where Sugar Dunkerton is in a a different way, he asks. But I'll just say, where's Sugar Dunkerton? Mm -hmm. And uh, that leads me to some questions I have later on regarding his usage on the card. And then we also have an Ultramantis promo where he talks about... You know, it was never meant to be with him, you know, winning the titles. He's never... Never won the, the King of Trios. You know, never was the Young Lions Cup at the beginning of his career. But this weekend, it's it's my time. And then I started playing the my time Triple H music in my head when he said that. But, uh, you know, and that obviously plays into the show later on. But do you have anything about these event centers?
0: Yeah, I'm sorry for making everyone watch that Quack and Bush promo. By the time I was watching everything, it was too late for me to be like, put out a disclaimer. I'm like, well, if I had to watch it, everyone else has to watch it.
1: Yeah. So you have anything else regarding that? No, that's it. All right. So show opens up with the first match of like the remaining rounds of the King of Trios. I don't know, quarter, final, semifinals, whatever. We have ting, t- yeah, team Ring of Honor uh, featuring the Young Bucks, Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis. Uh, I'll say it again for those in the back, Maria Kanellis versus Team Sunday Girls. And uh, for this match, we had Bryce and Scott Jagged Parker on commentary. The crowd was heavily behind the Sendai girls. Uh, the Sendai, 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 I apologize. Sendai. Sendai were presented as like buzz saws. Like they were obviously all smaller women, but uh, very much like the style of like Jocelyn Navarro. You know, like just sawing people in half just going full speed you know at bigger opponents the bucks were bumping all over the place for uh the ladies to their credit uh surprisingly joe lots of super kicks in this match Uh, i never would have expected that the sendai tap out their opponents but the ref didn't see it they were uh i forget it wasn't bryce but uh the referee at the time was distracted by maria who can blame him and team ring of honor wins via more bang for your buck but it was a hot opener uh team ring of honor looked great and obviously we'll see more of them later on and the sendai girls you know overwhelming favorites crowd favorites uh they looked amazing as well
0: uh yes yeah, so i really like this match um bryce and uh jagged were good on commentary uh all six people seven if you include maria did exactly what they needed to do um Regarding the match itself as they're leaving, of course, uh, Matt Jackson looks in the camera and says, those broads can work. And I just groaned audibly. I'm like, well, any goodwill that you guys built up during that match, you just kind of pissed away here with that stupid comment. You know,
1: it was a different time, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next match is also a King of Trios uh, tournament match. We have the Spectral Envoy, Ultramantis Black, Hollow Wicked and Frightmare versus Fist. Uh, Chuck Taylor, Icarus, and my autocorrect on my computer changed it to Garbanzo, but it is Johnny right. Gargano. And uh, this, before the match, we have a fist promo. Uh, Bryce and Brendan O'Donnell on commentary, I believe. Yes, and- uh,
0: Brendan was, as Bryce mentions, just to kind of get that out of the way before, so I don't forget, uh, he was titled the concierge. Of Chikara, like he would do kind of like the pre-show before Gavin Loudspeaker would come out, just kind of going over the rules of Chikara, no swearing, you know, dives and that sort of thing, maybe hype up like whatever, like raffle was going to be going on that day just so Gavin could get into the show. But Brendan is the guy who built the big entranceway, and he built a lot of the sets that you would see uh, in Chikara going forward from this point on. And it was just an opportunity to give him a chance to try out commentary,
1: you know? Okay. Is he responsible for, like, the honeycomb design that was later years? Okay, nice. Uh, Frightmare in this match is hobbling around a lot. Uh, He sells it throughout the both appearances, spoiler. And this is based on an injury, uh, kayfabe injury, I assume, that he suffered at the hands of the Batiri the night before. Correct. All right. I love how the, again, this is not new. We've been talking about this before, but I wrote it down just to give credit. I love how the whole concept of Icarus taking his shirt off is a huge heel move. Uh, it, It does not get old to me. Fist at some point tries to use the baby powder gimmick. It is thrown at Icarus by mistake. Icarus accidentally pedigrees Chuck Taylor, and Mantis gets the pin to advance. Now, I mentioned earlier that I was going to ask, Sugar Dunkerton is now associated seemingly reluctantly with Fist, but uh, he was with the throwbacks on the last Jakar show that I watched. What's the deal there? And obviously, what's the feedback on this match?
0: Uh, So I thought this match was exactly uh, as it needed to be as well. Um, It was good that we had, like, the two, quote-unquote, outside teams against each other. And the two homegrown Chikara teams against each other. So we'd be guaranteed a Chikara homegrown versus an Outsiders team in the finals as years would go on. We would more often see the finals in the King of Trios being two Outsider teams against each other. So it just made me feel good to like this sort of nostalgia toward the Chikara stuff that we were seeing like a homegrown team make it to the finals. Um, so when the decision was made last time that I assigned a Chikara show that I just did clips, right? Yeah. Instead of assigning full shows, I'd assigned a event center or two to explain some of the readjusting of some of the allegiances in Chikara. Um, you know, the Green Ant promo that you mentioned from the event center, how it wasn't like the actual colony because Wink put together... Everyone's favorite members of the colony, Red Ant, Green Ant, and Blue Ant. And he also says, Sugar Dunkerton, you're now in Fist. He just assigned these people. We did them at an event center maybe like a month ago. Um, And then there was also like an Icarus and uh, Sugar Dunkerton promo where Icarus was just kind of like
1: given Sugar what for. Okay. It slipped my mind. And as far as the outsiders winning the AAA or being down to the finals of the AAA, that was what happened. Or I'm sorry, not AAA, the King of Trios. That's what happened at the one King of Trios I was at because it was Bullet Club versus Team AAA in the finals. So that, you know, makes sense to have some homegrown guys in there. All right. Next up, we have Ophidian versus Saturine with Denver and Dasher on commentary. Uh, you gave me permission to skip this match, so I skipped it, Joe. But you said something funny happens during it. Ophidian yeah. via ref stoppage on the Cobra Clutch. But go So ahead.
0: Uh, there's a bit in the middle of this match. Um, so, of course, this is a typical 10-minute 10 mu- 10 plus Ophidian special. He doesn't <laughs> have short matches. There's a bit in the middle where things kind of get a little wonky, where there's a little bit mis- of miscommunication on some roll-throughs and stuff like that. Um, so the match ends, uh, Ophidian has the Ophidian death grip in, Saturine, the arm drops three times, referee calls for the bell, Ophidian gets up, and he doesn't, like, go right up to the camera, but it's, it's audible enough that you could hear it, he says, what the fuck? <laughs> so, you know.
1: Out of displeasure of the match. Or uh, his- yes. Okay.
0: Because... <laughs> Because it's always something that whether you're a heel or a babyface, when you win the match, you should always be mad that you won the match because the match got screwed up. Not because, like, save that for when you get backstage. Mm -hmm. You know, when you win the match, babyface or a heel, you should be like, yay, I won. And then like, oh, what the fuck happened when you're like not in the ring in front of fans and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Especially uh, a Chikara show, you know, where you're probably programmed for you know, bad choice of words, but you're you're taught not to curse at all. Yes. But. All right. So next up we have the 10 team tag gauntlet. And Joe, again, speaking of the one King of Trios that I was at, one of the things I complained about for the, the one I reviewed on IWTV Guide was that the first match in the gauntlet seemed to take forever. And I was like, come on, people, let's let's get some better pacing here because we're gonna be at this for a while. So this match starts off with Jakob Jakob Hammermeyer and Tim Donst, who had a promo beforehand, against Green Ant and Fire Ant. And this was a long match, and it was a good match, but it was going long, so I was thinking to myself, are they doing the same thing, where it's like we're taking up so much time with this opening match, and we're going to be here all day. But as I'm going to discuss in a moment or two, the pace picks up a lot in the middle, which offsets how long this match goes. But to this match's credit, This is a lot of Donst again, not liking the fact that Jakob is claiming to be his best friend. Donst is using Jakob as a weapon, disregarding his health. Uh, Eventually, Jakob takes a bullet for his best friend. He'll take a spear or kick or whatever it was. Jakob superplexes Green Ant, but gets hooked. And uh, Ants advance. Uh, Next, Yep. All right. I don't know if you want to talk about that or just the whole thing at the end. Yeah.
0: You know, um... It's uh, always funny to see uh uh fire ant run around like a crazy person, you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and you realize how big that uh that gymnasium in Easton is when you see the full him doing the lap, you know? Yeah, yeah. But also uh, again, I will never not compliment this. I love Jakob's and danced entrance. I love <laughs> Jakob coming out and just like introducing himself and then running full speed back and then the music hits. Uh big fan of that always. But next up to challenge the ants, we have Sydney Bacabella coming out with Devastation Corporation, Max Smashmaster, and Blaster McMassive, and they basically do a murder on the ants and win pretty quickly uh, in convincing fashion. And after that, we have Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel come out. The crowd is chanting, "It's not worth it." to those guys which is great and Devastation Corporation does another murder on them Uh, Jolly Roger comes out along with his partner Lance Steele returning to Chikara I believe Devastation Corporation you know it's not quite as big of a squash as the previous matches because obviously Lance Steele has the armor which makes him impervious to a lot of chops but Devastation Corporation is so strong that their chops are able to penetrate the armor and uh, it's also pointed out in commentary that uh, Dev Corp never leaves their feet in any of these as they're just killing people. They uh, obviously advance. And at this point, they've earned enough top dog tokens to get a shot at the Chikara uh, tag team belts. And uh, when they win their next match, spoiler, against jo- Johnny Miyagi and Ralph Macchio Jr., they actually get a fourth uh token fourth uh whatever it is legitimately oh, fourth, called
0: fourth fourth
1: point toward contention yes yeah the fourth point towards contention show some respect but you know they get a fourth one and i was a little upset when they do eventually get eliminated that you don't get to keep the points i didn't realize that that was a thing but uh smash master nearly breaks one of the guys in half when they're doing that finisher uh i don't know if it was miyagi or machio but whatever After that, you know, they're obviously running through the entire gauntlet. And this is what I mentioned was where they're making up for time of that first match in the gauntlet. But out comes Demolition, Axe and Smash, looking really good, by the way. Uh, They finally take Devastation Corporation off their feet. The crowd's going nuts for Demolition. Demolition wins, and DevCorp loses all four of their points.
0: I'll stop you there.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take a drink.
0: First of all, how dare you say those things disparagingly about, uh, Axe and Smash. They looked fantastic. Uh, (laughs) second of all, they were in the 2006 tag team gauntlet where they had gotten their first point. So now here it is like that loop needed to be closed that they had one point previously. So it needed to get to get them to a point where like that point is acknowledged and then that point eventually gets taken away from them. Um... In retrospect, I understand why it was done. Um, but this early in the Devastation Corporation's run, they should not have um been put in the ring with demolition. They should have waited until Devastation Corporation was more established because they're only characters here in Chikar for like less than two months.
1: I, I get the idea of wanting to protect them, you know, and make them look like monsters, and I think they did a good job of doing that. As somebody that's not invested In the product, but is viewing it as an outsider I don't feel like they lost anything Losing the demolition, I get demolition's 150 years old, but you're in a company That embraces the the Whimsical side of wrestling, and I sure. I, I, see, I see no problem with de- uh, Them losing the demolition there You know? Right But, uh, speaking of looking good, out comes The Powers of Pain, Barbarian And Broski, I'm sorry, Warlord <laughs> And, uh Lots of uh, feeling each other out during this match. Warlord still looks amazing and all natural. And, uh, you know, after some brawling and some posing, the powers of pain win via a big boots. So, again, another nostalgia act coming out. And to mention that you have to take away that tag team point, I guess is really big on clearing the books, making sure nobody keeps those points. You know, they, they gain interest or something like that. Exactly. And lastly... Outcome. Well, not lastly. Uh, next comes the one-two-three kid and Marty Jannetty. Uh, they basically have a little bit of a match with the Powers of Pain. You know, they get all the famous spots in. Marty Jannetty is still acting like a rocker. Um, you know, whatever it is, what it is. I didn't really write anything down there, but uh, Team WWE advances. And finally, Los Ice Creams come out and Los Ice Cream uh kind of doing some heel work here like they're mocking the 123 kid they're stealing his offense doing the X factor doing the Bronco Buster that kind of stuff but uh 123 kid and Marty Jannetty win via a crossbody splash out of a suplex thingy and uh you know as Kevin Hellion said uh you know 123 kid was spending a lot of time like thanking the fans and Marty Jannetty was looking for the bar which doesn't exist at Easton
0: so I'll say this uh, obviously we, everyone loves Sean Waltman, X-Pac, one, two, three, Code, what have you. Um, but after, um, the previous year's King of Trios, where he was on all three nights, I think he was on all three nights this year as well, or at least night one and night three. But at, like after every match, like he gets the mic and cuts like this big long promo. And then there was a time he was on like our March shows that were in Florida and there was a strict do not let Sean Waltman have the mic <laughs> because he's going to cut this big, long promo. It's going to eat up so much time, which is great. He's emotional. He wants to get all this sort of stuff out. But, you know, edited, this show ends up being uh, a, a smidge over three hours. So if Waltman had got a chance to cut a 10 to 15 minute promo, as he had been wont to do during this time, uh, the show would have even been longer.
1: Yeah. All right, next up, I think that anybody who watches this show that is of a like mind of myself, and shame on you if you are, but this next match is a master class in what should be on every indie show. And that is Darkness Crabtree, uh, Jonel Sanders, Colt Cabana, and the Swamp Monster with Drew Gulak and Orange Cassidy versus, uh, Ebison Taki, help me out here. Takio Kito, I don't know. Cause my autocorrect probably butchered what I typed in here. Uh,
0: Takiyo Yes.
1: Takiyo and 3.0. I apologize. I, I do not trust my own writing on those. Uh, we have Leonard F. Chakarson and Steve, the turtle whiner on commentary along with a goddamn rubber fucking chicken, which I wanted to turn the, like, the audio off on of my TV. But this match is just a tour de force of comedy greatness. There's, there's spots where like Sanders is trying to catch chops to the head, thrown by big magic. And he's either too early or too late or way early or whatever. Swamp monster smells bad, but LFC says he doesn't smell that bad. Colt Cabana kicks out of consecutive five consecutive pin attempts, including one from Bryce of all people. Crabtree multiple times is like falling asleep and almost dying. You have a duck-duck-goose game that breaks out in the middle of it. Uh, the match. Jagged Parker being the smart man, he picks Crabtree, who obviously is not the fastest person there. Uh, Bryce eventually pronounces Crabtree as dead, puts a towel over his face. But uh, Big Magic brings some, some uh, Red Bull and brings him back to life. He's a house of fire for a few moments before that eventually gives up. 3.0's team gets the win. Uh, there's match of the year chance. The swamp monster goes ballistic and he's taken out by security, uh, including one very large gentleman who I know I would never ever ever cross. Um, but uh, <laughs> this was like a really really fun match. Uh, again, I like this stuff, and when his stuff is done well. Uh, It's really good, and this match had, like, tons of it. And if you didn't like it, uh, I don't know what to say. We're not going to be friends.
0: Right. Uh, So, um, this match was fantastic. It was a blast. Um, I do have nitpicks about the match. Um, (laughs) No, no, it's not what you would think. So, the only nitpick about the physicalities of the match is that I'm sad that we didn't get a chance to see Swamp Monster do his low-key routine. (laughs) <laughs> uh because if you've ever seen like low-key during this era or prior uh what his like comeback would be like swamp monster does that <laughs> um that being said um i thought in my performance on this match outside of maybe two lines the one where i said whatever the hell orange cassidy was which was orange cassidy's debut appearance on a chikara show mind you oh uh And the part where Swamp Monster and I forget have, like, their initial, like, standoff. And I make a remark that, like, if you haven't sent in your observer ballots yet, hold on, because I have a feeling we're about to see a match of the year candidate happen before our very (laughs) eyes. Um, I felt as though my commentary ruined this match. Um, Because a match like this where it's less moves and it's more ha-ha, the job of the commentator is to call the action. But there is no action. There's just like spot like haha spots. And mm-hmm. if you can't understand what the ha ha spot is by seeing it with your own eyes, then I'm just telling you what the joke is. And there's nothing better. The only thing that makes a joke better is having it explained to you by a third party. Yeah. And I think I did a very bad job of it. Um, I really this was, this is one of the times where I really hated my performance in the match. So I apologize to everyone involved and anyone who watched it. And i'm not i'm not I'm not like doing a bit or something like this. I thought I really sucked in this match
1: I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I think that I, I I shoot straight with you when it comes to commentary and stuff like that. You know, when it comes to this match. I was so engaged in the match. Like my eyes did not leave the screen and I just had a grin from ear to ear aside from the, uh, the chicken that was piercing my ears. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really pay attention to commentary on this. Yeah. So you didn't detract from the match, but like, I, I can't remember two things you said on it, but it was only because there was so much bonker shit happening in the ring that I was like, one of those senses went away, you know, like my audio right. sense went away at some point. So uh, it, you didn't take away from anything. I'll say okay. that. And this one any. of those,
0: and this one of those bounty matches where there's stories I could tell you about this match, yeah, um, but it ain't gonna come free.
1: <laughs> it's at ad odds Patreon, everybody. Yep. Patreon right.
0: three guys from nowhere at gmail dot com, friends and family. <laughs> All right, whatever next you stuff- think is fair, and I'll tell you.
1: There you go. we have a joshi uh tag team match which you said I could skip, and I did uh
0: it was really good um uh commando Bolshe and uh Kuragaki against Yoniyama who had teamed up previously on night one and Manami toyota uh Manami Toyota is awesome, and this was more of a Uh, It was myself and Quack on commentary. This was a Quack tour de force. This was a match that he put together that obviously he's the promoter, the booker and everything else like that, but also a match that he got to call because this is his favorite style of wrestling. If you're a fan of this style of wrestling, it doesn't get any better than this, but it wasn't part of the overall narrative of the weekend of shows.
1: Yeah. That's why I figured I was like, "Ah, I'm not going to miss anything in Chikara lore by not seeing this. Correct. All right. Next up we have Todd's, Tadaske versus versus, I actually wrote that down as Todd, like the word Todd, and then the letters S and K. So I knew that it was (laughs) Tadaske.
0: Yes. So whenever we have foreign folks in, Japanese people especially, in my notebook, their names are spelled phonetically.
1: Yeah. Uh, Versus Jigsaw. Now, you did mention last week that I can skip this, but I did watch it. I watched this match. Leonard F. Chakarsson and Bryce Remsburg on commentary, a great commentary team. Uh Very early in the match, Jigsaw was attempting to do a die to the outside, like a suicida through the ropes. He gets caught with the forearm in the face. Very stiff shot. Looked awesome. Uh, Some who's going to die first debate between Chickarson and Bryce Remsburg. That was interesting on commentary. Uh, Todd, not as far as like, let me roll this back. Not which like competitor in the ring is going to die first, but who amongst Bryce and Leonard is going to die first. And, uh, so that was what it was. Uh, I, think Tadesuke- just, I
0: think just based on my age and the choice of uh, life decisions I've made, I can definitely see myself going before Bryce does.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> Tadaske knocks out Jigsaw. Um, and basically there's a ref stoppage. So it was just like, hey, Jigsaw can't compete. And they just made Tadasuke look like a monster. Uh, he kind of looks like a tiny Japanese Mike Awesome. You know, <laughs> like a really... Yeah, yeah. Uh, a really impressive looking guy. But it was a short match. It was almost a squash. But, you know, I wanted to check it out. It was pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the night before he wrestled Eddie Kingston, which was referred to as well, uh, this match was really good. And I'm sure the Eddie Kingston match was really good. I don't remember uh, at the time of, you know, today, but I'm sure at the time it was really good. Uh, they also mentioned that Tadaske was the Young Lions Cup champion in 2011. Uh, and he had run the whole year. Like, he had come over for the Young Lions Cup weekend. He won the cup and then never defended it in Chikara, took it over to Osaka Pro and defended it there. The finals uh, from the 2011 show where Tadasuke won, it was him versus Archibald Pack. Oh, well. To, gi- nope. to give you a different type of match uh, that that would have been. <laughs> now now that you see what Tadasuke does, now just imagine that against Archibald Pack.
1: Well, if it was uh, Mixed Martial Archie, it would be a, a real slugfest, but I guess uh, Archibald Pack, that's a little tough. Right. All right, so next up we have the main event, the finals of the King of Trios. We have the Spectral Envoy versus Team Ring of Honor. Leonard F. Chikarsin and Gavin, loudspeaker on commentary. Uh, this match basically starts off lots of interference from Maria. focusing. Uh, they're continuing to focus on Frightmare's injured leg. He gets the hot tag, he being Frightmare. The faces are in control briefly, but then it's mostly just the heels, you know, the the Ring of Honor guys in charge most of the match using all their their greatest hits in offense. We have a spike tombstone on the outside. I don't know if that's the Meltzer driver. Uh, there wasn't a flippy spin in there, so it might not be. But there was a spike tombstone on Mantis on the ramp, and uh, at that point or shortly thereafter, Ophidian, the Batiri, and Delirious come out. Uh, looks like they're going to get involved in the match, but Crossbones comes out and kind of. YOLO's uh, delirious into the ring post. Uh, There's a big superplex spot to the outside on top of all the guys that are brawling out there. Um, Wink, I'm sorry. What am I writing down here? Wicked. See, that's the thing. My autocorrect switched it to winked. <laughs> Wicked taps out uh, Mike Bennett via the Chikara special, but Bryce, the referee, didn't see it. He was distracted by Maria, and I say it once again. Who can blame him? Uh, at that point, Maria is hit with an errant super kick, and then the commentary gets real greasy, and I'm here for it because Chikarson says somebody needs to attend to Maria. I'll be back. I feel like that was the Bobby Heenan in you coming out. Wait but- a minute.
0: Wait a minute. Greasy? A young young lady was (laughs) devastated during the course of this contest. And as the action was happening hot and heavy, no one was attending to her. There was no medical staff. There was no referees. There were no students. They were just going to leave her to lay there. I was doing my due diligence as a chivalrous man, not... Uh, the Samoan ghost from NXT Two Point glo- globe, but close enough, I'd say. Uh, but I, I said I was gonna go check on her, but I had to finish commentary, and luckily somebody got there before I did. <laughs> nothing, listen, nothing crazy about being uh, a good guy.
1: Uh, okay, and not to be outdone, Gavin shortly says, "Well, I've already done CPR once, or I've already done mouth to mouth once tonight," <laughs> and he just leaves it hanging. Um, but anyways, yeah, that was a fun spot. Uh, eventually, Hollow Wicked gets Bennett in the Chikara special again, and he taps him out this time for the win. And Mantis finally wins the big one because again, that was a narrative set up, you know, on commentary and also set up on the event centers that you know Mantis doesn't show up for the big ones, and you know he was part of the winning King of Trios team. And uh, obviously a big celebration. This was like a a mania moment for the Spectral Envoy and the Easton crowd. And I'll get into the end credits thing in a second.
0: Uh, Yeah, this match was really good. Lots of kickouts. It was exactly what a main event would have to be. Um, I know um, Mike Bennett kind of gets and got and still gets to this day a bad rep um, for whatever reason. Um, And I don't really know why. I I know when he initially came into Ring of Honor, he was kind of like miscast where they didn't really know what to do with them, so they just had, like, six gimmicks all scooped on top of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, like, Mike Bennett was, like, fantastic in this match. And a year and a half later, he ends up having a singles match uh, with Hollow Wicked that maybe might have been the reason that Mike Bennett got hired by WWE. Um, So I don't know. Like, I think Mike Bennett was really good. I thought everyone played their parts perfectly. Um, I thought this match was really good.
1: Now, when you are going through my future homework assignments and, you know, kind of cherry picking what I need to watch, can you make sure to assign me all of the Mike Bennett matches just because I'm really interested in seeing more of Mike Bennett and and not necessarily anybody that might be accompanying him to the ring? Yes. <laughs> and speaking of which, at the end of the credits, uh, credit to, uh, my former favorite independent wrestling commentator, Kevin Ford, for pointing this out. But at the end of the credits, we see a little scene of Maria Canellas basically talking about, you know, putting over the Bucks, putting over Mike Bennett. And uh, somebody walks by. I apologize. I do not know. And Maria sticks her tongue out at her. And that is the end of the show. Minami Toyota
0: walks by.
1: Ah, Toyota. Vinami
0: Toyota, who you may have skipped a match with on this show, but you have seen wrestle at least twice during the course of homework assignments that I've given out here.
1: I don't retain things, Joe. This isn't new information.
0: (laughs) Right. But I will say um, if and when we get to it, we shall hopefully eventually. Um, The uh, uh, National Pro Wrestling Day where Chikara returns. uh, Maria is the host. Oh, of yeah. the event. So, like, she's in and out of the ring the entire time.
1: Okay, perfect. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I have a story about this weekend, okay? All right. And it's a story that actually goes back to uh, Anniversario weekend. And I'm going to leave the names out of this to protect the innocents. <laughs> but it's a fun story, okay? Yeah. So, uh, Anniversario was in this building. And as was what, happen- what happened a lot of times at Chikara events... Where Mike would do something for the roster, but it would be, like, for that day. Like, let's say, like, hey, for this day, I got everyone in the locker. I catered, you know, out of my pocket, or maybe we got a sponsor. And, like, Subway sandwiches, everyone help yourself, okay? Mm -hmm. So if that happens on that show, it's not like three shows later, somebody saved a sandwich for you, okay? Yeah. It's, It's that show. You're there for that show. You get the benefit of whatever happens on that show. Uh, and stop me if I've told the story before. Okay. Mm. So, uh, everyone who was on the May Anniversario show got these real nice Chikara gym bags. Right. Okay. Um, and it was everybody who was on that May show got them. I still have mine. I use it occasionally, but it's not like, you know, it's like good for like an overnight bag, but it's not good for like a long weekend travel thing. Right. Sure. So, uh, we come to events that happen over the summer as car rides, people are meeting up, right? So somebody that was on the May show, let's call that person Bill, okay? Mm. Uh, Bill leaves his bag at Tom's house, okay? So uh, in coordinating these car rides over the course of the summer, um, Rico comes to the house, sees this bag, And says, hey, how come I didn't get one of these bags? Well, says, well, we got them because, um, so what are the names? I said, Mike left the bag and it was Tom's house.
1: Bill. Bill left the bag at Tom's house and Rico was upset
0: by it. Um, Rico, I got to be careful. I don't say real names. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Tom tells Rico, everybody that was on the May show got these bags. You weren't on the May show. You didn't get the bag. I'm sorry. So Rico says, fuck that. I'm taking this bag. Tom says, don't. That's Bill's bag. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Rico
0: says, I'm still taking the bag. I don't care. Tom says, I can't stop you, but don't be stupid. Don't bring this bag around. Because if Bill sees it and asks, is that my bag? I'm going to tell him it's his bag. Yeah. So uh, Rico and Tom and Bill are all booked King of Trios Weekend. And wouldn't you know, Rico brings his gear in the bag. (laughs) And Bill comes up to him and says, hey, Rico, is that my bag? And Rico hymns and haws. And Bill says, that's my bag. I left it at Tom's house. Give me my bag back. To which Rico says, well, then I don't have a bag to bring my gear and stuff home with. And Bill says, you should have thought of that before you took my bag from Tom's house. (laughs) Rico looks at Tom and is like, hey, man, you're supposed to have my back. And Tom says, I told you not to bring it. If you're stupid enough to bring it, you're stupid enough to have this happen to you. So uh, then Rico had to go and buy a new bag for himself so that he can get his gear and sundries home for the weekend let that be a lesson don't steal from bill
1: yeah i already wrote down in my notes here uh bill tom rico question mark so we'll you talk want,
0: you don't want to get a piece of bill or a taste oh. i'm sorry you
1: don't want to get a taste
0: of them oh all right <laughs> a little self-satisfied sniff there um so that being said uh i'm glad you enjoyed the show what are you assigning yeah. me
1: I did enjoy the show, and I do also enjoy how you're giving me shows that are, while not concurrent, you know, like every little beat, but we are following along a path, you know, like following the development of the storyline. And I think that's very important, Joe, and that's why, for my homework, I wanted to also continue in a story that we're already invested in. Oh, no. we are—well, maybe not the oh-no you're thinking of, but it's on the list. Uh, We are going to watch— the Nightmare Factory Showcase, episode three. Okay. It's not as bad. I know you were thinking of Free the Narrative too. I,
0: thought you, I thought you were going to go left and you went right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we are going to watch Nightmare Showcase 3. It is on YouTube. It's yep. under two hours long. And uh, I am sure we'll get a Dark Order appearance at the end. If we don't, I will be sad. But that is our homework for this week.
0: I could deal with that. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's his name? Isn't uh, Kid Wicked on that event, I think?
1: I did not even look at anything other than the fact that I wanted to confirm that I didn't already assign it, because I'm a little fuzzy with that stuff. And gotcha. uh, But yeah, no, I, I didn't look at match listing. I just looked at the time, and that it was on YouTube. Okay. Perfect.
0: Uh, so, before we get to uh, the results in the next rounds for the gender-neutral monarch of At Odds, uh, what did you think of the XPW Dark Side of the Ring?
1: I really like this episode, Joe. Um, okay. I'll just kind of give you some back uh, backstory as far as my knowledge of XPW. Here's the thing. I knew that XPW existed. I knew about Rob Black and the fact that he was like a porn producer. And I've seen some clips of XPW, but the stuff I've seen was – not like first and foremost like like in that new jack episode from last season like that obviously had xpw stuff with vic grimes you know so i'd see little matches here and there but i've never seen an xpw match or show or any of that stuff i've just heard about it read about it and seen bits and pieces in documentaries so this is the the most exposure to the product that i've ever gotten and with that being said um, I've heard, like, the XPW story of the heatwave invasion, you know, but I've heard it from the ECW guys' perspective, you know, whether it's on Extreme Conversations with Brian Myers or just other places, but, like, those things have permeated pop culture and wrestling for me, but the stuff that obviously I didn't know about was just, like, the fact that the training studio was also, like, the porn set and all the graphic stories about, like, you know, people walking around in various states of undress and doing different things, whatever— um, so I didn't know about that. Uh the storyline of like Luke Hawks getting the unprotected chair shot punishment slash crucifying. Uh that was fucked up. And I did not, I, I've never heard of the Messiah. So I've never heard of the the Messiah Lizzie Borden like thumb cutoff incident. Right. So that was all like really captivating television, like in a true crime, you know, direction, you know, of like uh just just being like, holy shit, this stuff happened in wrestling. So my my knowledge of XPW, uh, other than like an overhead shot, like just oh this is what you know this was a West Coast ECW wannabe, you know that was my knowledge of it. But this was a a deep dive for me, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. I also left myself wondering if like obviously XPW was running in like the late '90s, early 2000s, if I knew about XPW and had access to it. I'm like, would, like, 19-year-old Adam have liked XPW? So I really wondered if, you know, I have to question, you know, my sensibilities at the time. But uh, I might have liked it because I was an ECW mark. But at the same time, I was also an ECW diehard. And if they were coming after ECW, I might have taken offense to it. So I might not have been a fan. But after all that, I really like this episode, Joe.
0: Yeah, So uh, so the Messiah thing actually being an indie wrestling fan of this era, right? Yeah. The Messiah thing is one of those like most notorious and infamous stories at that time. Now, as they discussed on the show, and there was discussion after the fact of... I had never heard that it was New Jack and Mustafa, which was like a prevailing rumor, I guess, at the time. The ones that had done it. And they don't get into it as much uh, there, but Messiah left XPW for CZW because... XPW begat from uh, e- the ECW, and they don't really get too much into it there. They mentioned that there was like kind of a, like a loose alliance between the two. Um, but the way that it started out was, I guess, Tommy Dreamer and Ray Deadly went out to L.A. to scout locations for an upcoming ECW show. Rob Black is like, oh, I'm this big shot. I'm this porno thing. And he let Tom Dreamer and Ray Deadly like direct porno scenes. <laughs> and from that, Rob Black thought he would be like ECW's West Coast connection. They kind of sort of cut him out. That's how XPW forms. Then, like, within a year, ECW's dead, but now XPW is a thing, getting all of these ECW cast offs. And sadly, around that time, the West Coast was like dead for independent wrestling. So XPW decides to come to the East Coast, and then that becomes a huge thing where XPW, 3PW, Ring of Honor, CZW are all battling over the ECW arena to run shows there.
1: Yeah.
0: XPW then goes and buys a year lease on the ECW arena so they can run shows there. And that they're the only ones that can run shows there. But the problem is. Everyone else is now running against them. Now Ring of Honor and CCW are working together to bring, like, to work against XPW. XPW is paying off Ring of Honor guys to jump and go to them. You know, uh, like, it was, like, crazy. I wish they got more into that stuff, like the minutia for, like, an old-school independent wrestling fan. But you got to get to, like, the sexy whatever stuff. And Messiah left XPW to go to CCW during all of this. And that, coupled with the Lizzie Borden stuff, is what caused, you know, the the attack to to cut off his thumb. Which, like, to hear it told by the guy that it happened to with the recreation was such a harrowing thing, man, you know? Yeah. Um, I was
1: expecting, when he was like, oh, I'm looking, I grabbed some ice and a cup, and I looked around for my thumb, and then I'm like oh, he's going to find his thumb and get it sewed on. You know, it's going to be like the Kramer bus story with the the baby toe being cut off. You know, it's just going to get reattached. Nope. (laughs) And because then I'm like, well, they never showed his hands in the interviews yet. So I was like, maybe he doesn't have a thumb. But yeah, that was an interesting story.
0: Yeah, so it was very interesting. And then, of course, um, you know, as they detailed here and we discussed several months ago, Rob Black is a piece of shit. He refused to be part of this. And a lot of the people that worked with Rob Black essentially said, you know, the reason that he didn't do this was because unless Rob Black could control his own story, he doesn't want to be part of it.
1: Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I really enjoyed the episode. I think this uh, might be one. I mean, it's probably at least in my top two favorite episodes of the season. For sure.
0: And and as we record, I see people discussing the uh the finale here which was the world wrestling entertainment uh steroid trial and it was not the 18 hour uh multi-part docuseries i dreamed it would be (laughs) uh so sadly again there'll be a, a lot to discuss in regards to that we we could ourselves do an entire episode just on all the steroid trial stuff you know
1: yeah well i'm sure if you're you're uh thirsty for more content I'm sure Bix will be dumping out like a million documents tonight. you know oh forget about it yeah he's <laughs> going he's going mad. I love it <laughs> yeah I'll have to check that out all right, Joe. now, once again, the thing that everybody's been waiting for this week with music. <laughs> neutral monarch of at odds wrestling all right, Joe, we have the results of the first round of the gender neutral monarch of at odds with wrestling sponsored by the benefactors, and I know you promised to keep uh you know the results off the radar after you placed your votes. But it was a little difficult to do, to co- completely separate yourself, because there was a great episode of Hellion's Talk this week featuring Kevin Hellion's Mass Library and a friend of the show, Kevin Ford, where they actually did like a bracket breakdown of the the tournament.
0: Yeah, so uh, I know they recorded that, I think, on Monday or Tuesday. They discussed the standings, and I'm not sure how much they changed from then they recorded to now. Uh, you know, when the episode came out, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But it was a great listen. If you are at all invested in the gender neutral monarch and shame on you, if you're not, or if you, uh, just want to hear some outsider perspective, go give it a listen. It was pretty good. Aside from all the boar slander from Kevin Ford, I I, I don't know what was up with that. Uh, it it, kind of weird. I mean, he was just burying the board. It's almost like the boar should like direct some of his ire towards Kevin Ford and away from me. But, uh, you know, great episode. So go check it out. But without further ado, Joe, are you ready to hear who is going to advance? Yes. All right. So again, starting from the top left of the bracket and working our way down the first round, we have the boar who defeats Erica Lee with 63% of the vote.
0: All right, boar. Way to go, brother.
1: Yep. And, uh, again, this is just the first labor of the Boar. You know, the Boar has four labors he has to go through to to win the the tournament. But uh, he will be facing the winner of the next match, which was Hook versus Bojack. And with 70% of the vote, Hook advances. So Hook will face the Boar in the next round.
0: I will say this. Hook being Pod Van Dam's pick. Um... Uh, Pod Van Dam attempting to pick someone that would be uh, essentially un unvote againstable, right? <laughs> uh, in in Hook, but the fact and again, there's not any slander against Bojack, but the fact that Hook only won by seventy percent, I think the Boar could beat Hook.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, if the Boar wins, awesome. If the board doesn't win, this ain't on me. All right? I just want to speak that into a microphone. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> I'm, ugh, I don't know how I'm getting blamed for this. Anyways, let's move on. So the next matchup was the Mysterious and Handsome Stranger versus Mixed Martial Mix Archie. Take a shot.
0: Easy for you to say.
1: I know. And with 65% of the vote, Joe, I think this is an upset. Mixed Martial Archie wins. Advances.
0: Uh, I think... Because mixed martial Archie came and went so quickly, people have a much more fond memory of the more lasting uh, staying of the mysterious and handsome stranger. Uh, but again, this one was a pick them six to one, half a dozen the other. You're more or less getting the same result.
1: <laughs> so MMA will face the winner of this next match, which was Danhausen versus Matthew Justice. And with 57% of the vote, this was a close one, Danhausen advances to face MMA. So this is going to be interesting.
0: Uh, There's another one where I expected Daniel Hausen to sweep things uh, against Matthew Justice. A little bit tougher, a little bit different of a competitor in Mixed Martial Archie. <laughs> uh, again, I don't wanna, I'm don't want i going to go with the Dark Horse candidate here and say Mixed Martial Archie is going to be your sleeper of the tournament.
1: <laughs> I hope so. You know what? I I want to see more mixed martial artsy matches. I'd love to see him against the boar. I'd love to see, you know, him against some of the guys on the other side of the bracket. We'll see. But speaking of the other side of the bracket, all the way to the top right, we have Arthur MacArthur, the strongest man in all the land, versus Abby Jane, another relatively close one, but with 60% of the vote, Arthur MacArthur advances.
0: Uh, you know, I, I was not surprised by this. No offense to Abby. She's new to the business. Uh, she's only got maybe about like two years under a belt. Uh, sadly, she's eliminated from competing in the tournament from here on out. Uh, but nice showing there against uh, Artie. All
1: right. And Arthur MacArthur will face the winner of this next match, which faced Jocelyn Navarro versus Kaya McKenna. And with 62% of the vote, Jocelyn Navarro advances. She'll face Artie.
0: So uh this is a match that could actually happen in real life. And uh sadly, whether it be the voting or real life, I don't like Artie's chances here. If uh his constant uh belittlement on the voicemail on Pod Van Dam isn't gonna be enough to jokerify him, it's gonna be a loss here that does. <laughs>
1: And maybe Jocelyn will hit Arthur uh, Arthur MacArthur on the head hard enough that like he falls out of gimmick or turns into the Joker, you know, you never know. <laughs> exactly. Right. So next up, now here's the thing I want to address. And this was brought up on the Hellions Talk podcast. And it was said that having tag team partners, such as the Boar and Erica Lee, or in this next matchup, Hollowick and Frightmare, I was accused of it being. Lazy booking. All right. Now I want to just mention something real quick. If this tournament was a work where I can choose who advances to each round, each you know the next round, the round after that, then sure I would want to kind of make it so. Oh, I'm going to have Frightmare and Hollowick meet in the next round or in a, you know the semifinals, and that's just the way I'm going to draw up the tournament. Obviously, I am leaving this poll to the listeners, to the voters. So I have no control over who faces who after the first round. So in the first round, I just wanted to see interesting matchups. So you can call it lazy. I call it booking. But who knows? Uh, anyways, this next matchup was Hollow Wicked versus Frightmare. And this was a slaughter. 88% of the vote Hollow Wicked advances to uh, the, fi- the, the next round. Uh, I like both these competitors,
0: but um, if I said before that, uh, you know, this this could be the Boar's year, let's just hope someone knocks Hollow Wicked out beforehand, because, uh, you know, Boar versus Hollow Wicked is going to be a tough call for me to pick. Yeah. I might have to go, call for a draw on that one.
1: <laughs> well, there have been 50-50s before, but in those scenarios, it just went on to like a triple threat in the next round. There you go. We'll see. Also, get well soon, hollow wicked, right? Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lastly, the last opening round matchup, we had unbreakable Andy versus stiffy McGee, Joshua Bishop. And advancing with 75% of the vote to face hollow wicked is Josh Bishop.
0: Uh, Josh is the man. Josh is awesome. Uh, I got to vote Hollow Wicked here. Jo- like I said, uh, you know, this is – I before the. Before I knew everyone that was in this tournament, my pick was Hollow Wicked before I even knew he was in it, not having been in the previous years. But I wouldn't be upset if uh, Josh won. Josh is awesome, but he's another one who's a young man in this business. Again, six years, and he's only 24, and he looks the way that he does, and he wrestles the way that he does. Yeah. Um, I don't – let's just say I don't think Josh needs this tournament to give him that boost, and I'll leave it at that.
1: <laughs> hey, but it helps. Look at our former winners, you know?
0: Um, Make a note for yourself.
1: <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, but with that being said, just to recap again, the people that you – the matchups that everybody will be able to vote on starting tomorrow – And I'll probably put the polls up around 11 a.m. Friday the 29th just because uh, between going to work and trying to buy some micro brawlers that are going on sale on Patreon, uh, (laughs) I'm going to be running around around the the 12 o'clock hour. So uh, starting at 11 a.m. tomorrow, you will be able to vote on The Boar versus Hook, Mixed Marshall Archie versus Danhausen. Arthur McArthur versus Jocelyn Navarro and Hollow wicked versus Joshua Bishop. So uh looking forward to seeing who comes out of this. I think uh we got some tough matchups left.
0: For sure. And again nothing against that opening round, but now we're going to get into the nitty gritty where you got to make some
1: tough decisions. Yeah, I mean you got to have some hammerheads in the earlier rounds. <laughs> that's right. That's a that's a
0: reference to like Jobber wrestling figures or toy figures <laughs> or Star Wars figures or something.
1: Yeah, you need a you got an army build. You need lots of stormtroopers. You need some uh, you need some people to get shot to get uh, jobbed out.
0: Right. Well, uh, don't you get jobbed out? Of course, this weekend, uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, Independent Wrestling TV, uh, big weekend there. Uh, PWF out of North Carolina is streaming their WrestleMania event on Friday, and then. Matt Tremont's promotion, H2O, has a big triple-header weekend, culminating on Sunday with the once-in-a-lifetime, never-again, twice-in-a-lifetime. As Matt Tremont comes out of retirement to take on Mr. Liar himself, uh, Onita, And uh, it's going to be at an outdoor baseball stadium. We're promised explosions. We're promised... Uh, fire. We're promised a lot of things. I know a lot of people who are listeners of the show, people who are in the network. I know Brett and DJ and Doug are going uh, to see the event live. It's on Halloween. I got a kid. you know, I got to do like parent stuff. <laughs> um, but it's going to be streaming live on uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Uh, use the promo code at odds. You don't get no free days or nothing, but if you're a new subscriber and you stick with it, it lets Jerry know that we uh, refer you to him. Uh, a lot of other ways that you can help out the show, of course, is by making a purchase through RT Public Store, tinyurl.com longboxheroes. The sale is going on until Sunday night, 35% off everything, and you can get at odds with wrestling-inspired designs and everything from shirts to cell phone covers to notebooks. Uh, another way that you can help us out, of course, is make any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link, which is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Uh, it does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, is that all I got for plugs? Oh, and uh, hey, don't forget to actually do... And make sure that they go through your football picks for the pigskin pickums. Uh, I know that we're on like week, uh-huh, mm-hmm. um, which is of X amount of weeks or whatever uh, in the uh, season. Is
1: that what they call it? It's... It is a season. I think we're about to start week eight, if I'm not right. mistaken.
0: And uh, I know Adam's still in the top ten, but
1: just barely. Yeah, I had a bad week last week. I tried to make some aggressive moves to uh. to get past. uh, that King Marcus guy thats a, that was a, ahead of me, and I zigged when I should have zagged.
0: <laughs> I, I like seeing uh, King Marcus and my uh, Longbox Heroes uh, podcasting partner, Todd, being neck and neck in this. I mm-hmm. hope that they end up tied and then they have no choice but having to do that football helmet podcast together.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the only way to settle it, you know? <laughs> it's the war to right. settle the score. <laughs> But yeah, get your picks in. I I've made mine like an hour before the tonight's game. I got it in just under the wire.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 done for the season. I did them all like the first week, you know.
1: <laughs> How's that strategy working out for you? Second pick. Uh, I don't Second know.
0: I, I I don't check.
1: <laughs> all right, but you know what I do check, Joe? It's these other podcasts that you should listen to. All right, all right. Those podcasts include, but are not limited to, Long Box Heroes. Final wrestling place. We need wrestling porch talk, wrestling cheers between the sheets. Viewer's choice. Pod Van Dam. IWTV guide. Hellions talks. Hit my music and the A show. Now, Joe, there's been a little bit of a delay with the most recent episode of the A show. Uh, they've been running by uh, by me who the last competitor should be. Uh, to qualify for the tournament. And I just haven't really liked a lot of the guys that they've suggested, so I've been kind of shooting them down. So once I decide on who should be the final participant, we can have that episode. Uh, you know, myself, Matt, and Sleepy Decker will get together for our show. We'll record it, and uh, then we can move on to the Tournament of Champions. But it's coming soon, for all those that are wondering. Sounds like you're, you're shaking in your boots, is all not, I'm saying. Not at all. Not at all. It's just... When here's the thing, there's a certain level of performance I've come to expect from uh a show competitors. And I know I'm not going to get it, but, you know, I just don't want all these like pushovers to be entered into the tournament. I mean, it's bad enough. Ed Cody's in there and Matt's in there. Uh God forbid they have somebody that loses to Decker and then he'll be in the tournament I, again. I just want to be faced. I want to face tough competition and I haven't gotten it so far. So that's why there's a holdup on this last episode. Is they keep on being like, "Oh, here's here's so and so," and I'm like, "Oh man, I would destroy that person. Do better." So that's what the you know what we're waiting on.
0: Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'll also say I'm going to be on IWTV Guide
1: next week. Yeah, I heard that the news uh, about the recording upcoming. What uh, do you know? What you're going to talk about? Nothing. It's just
0: going to be uh, me and Charlie Butters having a conversation. Nothing. Uh... Uh, Nothing to watch. It's just going to be, uh, you know, a conversation, interview, something, discussion.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, yeah. Just
1: shooting the shit. Yep. All right. Looking forward to it. Butters and uh, Jayhawk have a good show over there.
0: They certainly do. Uh, definitely check them out. Uh, I've been behind on stuff Um, <laughs> because I've had to watch so much stuff for this. And there's like four shows that I have to watch for Longbox Heroes this week. I'm behind on podcasts. Uh, But I do have in the hopper this week's episode with Dr. Daniel C. Rockingham and uh, one half of the uh, mysterious benefactors.
1: (laughs) Nice. All right, I think that's it for the regular show, Joe. Some might cost a little, some might cost a lot. will be bought <laughs> money, 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 money. joe of all the music that you can possibly forget to put in please do not forget to put in the totally original and awesome DeWiki classic uh, that is the weekly purchases jingle
0: you know you're killing me coming out of these up-tempo numbers and i gotta <laughs> talk about a dog dying death dedication here. And where are those pictures I was supposed to see?
1: (laughs) Oh, I vaguely know that reference. All right, good.
0: (laughs) I'll take a half. I'll take a half. Usually when I say shit like that, I'm like, I'll take one. But in this instance, I'll take a half.
1: (laughs) Is that uh, Private Parts?
0: No, uh, it is uh, an off-mic thing of Casey Kasem having a meltdown.
1: Uh, I thought That it was they used like... to
0: play on Stern all the time.
1: Oh, see, so you know, that's what it was, because I'm thinking of Stern when I hear yeah, that. Yeah,
0: they'd play it on Stern all the time.
1: Okay. <laughs> all right. Speaking of, uh, I don't know, up-tempo numbers, uh, I got a couple things. It wasn't the biggest week for me, Joe. A um, couple inexpensive things, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of bounce it over to you. But I purchased, uh, through the major pod group, I don't usually talk about Funko pops, but it is. Oh, rest- well, I don't usually talk about the Funko pops that I buy during weekly purchases. Oh. Cause if I did, it would be a three hour session, <laughs> but I did purchase in the major pod group, a uh, Finn Balor Funko, uh, because it was only like 12 bucks. So it was cheap and I needed it. And even though I'm in the middle of an extensive Funko purge, uh, there's still some things that I will buy to fill some gaps. And speaking of the major pod group, somebody, a major mark basically posted yesterday, a picture of a bunch, like 30 of the broski bucks, like the thousand dollar broski bucks. Yeah. And, and basically just said, Hey, I got all these, just click claim and I'll send you one for free. So,
0: oh, get out of town.
1: Yeah. So I hit claim. So I'm getting a broski bucks being sent to me.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool.
1: And that definitely won't be used as a template for Derek to Photoshop into making Vansky bucks. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Joe? Do you have some?
0: Yeah, I do actually have uh, a bunch of stuff, actually. Um, I know jokingly I'd said I was the one who purchased the Ring of Honor library. Ha ha ha. <laughs>
1: um,
0: maybe if the, if the tweet's still getting some likes, I'll make sure to plug the uh, podcast alongside of it, you know? Oh,
1: is it going viral, Joe? Uh,
0: you know, listen... What one person considers viral is maybe different than what another person considers viral. You know, well, as of this recording, it has about a hundred likes. Okay. I don't Joke. know. That's that's not enough for me to really consider.
1: Yeah. One time I had a tweet that had like seventeen likes, so I oh. know exactly what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> I, I'm I'm a big fan of the people that have like thirteen thousand followers and they tweet something out and it gets zero interactions. <laughs> zero likes zero replies zero retweets oh my god you've got this twitter game mastered <laughs> yeah. uh but we are approaching uh the christmas season um and i didn't get a chance to mention it on after dark this week but unrelated this was the year that we let my kid know and hopefully there's no children listening at this point um that there is no santa claus
1: yeah, I saw the the late breaking news from April on Facebook. The
0: the the real private life stuff goes on on my wife's Facebook page, but <laughs> she'll 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 never friend you. So,
1: well, oh, she you'll, tags she tags you and everything, so I see it anyways. But,
0: but we were out and about, and my kid had some Christmas or uh, birthday money left over, and uh, he plays Roblox, which is a game, which is like second in, I guess, like, user whatever to Fortnite. Mm -hmm. And they have, like, these blind boxes where you can get, like, little 3D representations of different characters in different games, because Roblox is, like, a server for, like, thousands of different games, whether it be, like, very, very popular games, or you as just, like, Joe Schmo or Adam Schmo or whatever can go and make your own game and hope for the best. But well, there's a game in particular called Tower Heroes. There's two characters from these blind box sets that he wants because they're powerful characters in the game and they give you powerful items in the game. He was hoping to get them out of the blinds, blind boxes. He didn't. I found them both online. One I got for like 16 bucks. The other one I got for like $22. bucks. he will love it for Christmas. He'll get a kick that he got those things for Christmas. All right, cool. Uh, also, if you listen to uh, Final Wrestling Place, You hear the woes of poor Tim attempting to get back into the Pokemon card collecting sets. Oh, yeah. And this current 25th anniversary set is a small set, but a difficult set to collect. Because if you're looking to get the entire set, which Tim is doing, uh, which is a dead-end street as he is now learning two weeks into attempting to collect these sort of things. um, It's one of those things where you take the chance and maybe pay the high premium now for some stuff instead of waiting and hoping that the prices come down or that stock doesn't dwindle and you missed your chance. So I have alerts and stuff out for different things. One of my kids' favorite Pokemon is uh, Charizard. There was a specific Charizard-like box thing that comes with a special Charizard card, and a special Charizard pin, and a bunch of those packs. And it was very reasonably priced. So I got that from It's Coming for Christmas. So I've started getting my kids' stuff for Christmas this year.
1: Nice. Uh, Tim reached out to me looking for uh, a certain Pokemon thing that the importer exporter business carries. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I did my due diligence, you know, kind of looking through the inventory systems that I have access to and, you know, it's not looking good for him, but I told him I'd keep an eye out. But the weirdest thing is like, obviously I do a lot of toy buying and stuff and just through the importer exporter business. And I take advantage of the app And I will save a lot of items, you know, I'll just be like, oh, add this to my watch list or my save list so I can go in like whenever I think about it and just be like, oh, is this in stock? Is this in stock? Is this in stock? And that Pokemon set that he wanted me to keep an eye on. I've never seen this before. It won't even let you save it to your watch list. Wow. Like like, you can save PlayStation fives to your watch list. But, like, this system, like, for whatever reason, they don't want you frequently checking on it. You know, it's the—I've it, never seen it before. So I have to—every uh, uh, single time I want to look for it, I have to search for it in the search bar. But I'll do it for him because I'm a good brother. I'll find it.
0: It's the uh, collector's tin, right? Yeah,
1: it's like in a lunchbox type thing.
0: Yeah, so—and so, th- so and that's so weird, too, because I guess this year there's, like, a card that you can only get in that.
1: Yeah, that's the opportunity. And-
0: right. so and, and that's the thing that's that's a departure from the way that those tins have typically been handled because those tins in the past and when I say the past, like the last like five years, would come with like notepads and pencils and like maybe like a little figurine of a character. And it would mostly come with packs from it would come with like one pack from the current set and then three packs from older sets. It was kind of like a way to get rid of backlog of sets but put it in a way that's entertaining to the kids right cuz i've got 10 of those lunch boxes in my basement of all the previous sets right yeah but this one as it was coming out like that thing if you could find it it's going for like 90 bucks
1: yeah yeah like i said i uh i checked to see i i can tell you with 100% certainty that none have ever been shipped to a store uh, they're an online-only item, and I checked like every distribution center in the company, and they're all at zero. And it basically has like this designation that says uh, we might get them back, but don't have your hopes up type of deal. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Like I said, I'll keep looking for it, but we'll see.
0: I I have it on my watch list. I have uh, there's a couple Twitter accounts and stuff. That will put up, like, the flyers for video game and video game-related stuff or when stuff goes back into stock. And sometimes they'll get, like, because they're bigger Twitter accounts, sometimes they'll get, like, a little bit more advanced notification. They'll be like, hey, I got word in 10 minutes PlayStation 5s are going up on Walmart's website.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And we get the heads up about, like, the PlayStations and stuff like that as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. So if there's, like, Tim can set alerts for himself for certain keywords from certain accounts— to notify him if he's looking for, like, that collector's tin and stuff like that. I'm good. I got my kid a thing. If I see other ones pop up and I grab them, I grab them. If I don't, I don't.
1: Yeah. All right, Joe. The other thing that I bought, it's actually a couple things, but it's not wrestling-related, but it's figure-related. And I've mentioned it's been a while, maybe even predating the dedicated weekly purchases segment. Um, But, like, I dabble in Star Wars Black Series figures, but it's only Mandalorian ones and specifically the Mando character. like none usually none of the other characters am I looking for. But I want to get all of the versions of the Mandalorian. and uh, a new one went up for pre-order this week. It was a target exclusive uh, Black Series Mandalorian with Grogu and it's the one based on the episode where they crash the razor crest on like the snow planet. And there's all those spiders that like jump out of the, the eggs that, uh, you know, that one, uh, the, it's called Maldo crease, um, that planet, but there's basically an exclusive packaged one, uh, for target that went up for pre-order. So I jumped on that. Uh, and that kind of led me to go down a, a rabbit hole of sorts because I was like, well, what am I missing? And it turns out I'm really only missing two uh, released Star Wars Black Series Mandalorian figures, one of which I literally ordered when you were doing This Day in History. <laughs> I, <laughs> I won an auction. And that was just basically one of the earlier ones. It was the first uh, first one in like the Beskar armor, which is the shiny armor, which I didn't buy because... There was a Target exclusive of that that just came with more stuff. So at the time, I was like, well, why do I need the figure with the rifle when I have the figure with the rifle, with the Beskar staff, with the gun, with all this other stuff? And then the completist in me was like, no, I need them both, you know? Uh, And lastly, there was a a bunch of Hasbro, uh, Star Wars, and other announcements this week. Uh, Another Star Wars figure that I ordered was... A Cobb Vanth figure. Do you remember who that is from The Mandalorian? Um, no. It's uh, Timothy Oliphant's character, the Marshal, the one who was wearing Boba Fett's armor in like the first episode of the second season. Gotcha. Yeah. So first of all, Timothy Olyphant, great actor. love him and everything. Loved him in Deadwood. Loved him in Justified. So when he popped up on Mandalorian, I I was very excited. But they came out with a figure of him with like the Boba Fett armor and all that stuff. So I pre-ordered that. But that's the the last of my purchases. I didn't. I literally did not buy. If you don't count the uh, the Funko Pop of uh, Finn Balor, I didn't buy a single wrestling figure this week, Joe.
0: Well, I'll say this with your Mandalorian uh, Black Series figures. If by some chance in your travels you end up seeing one of the client, uh, grab that for me because I always wanted a Werner Herzog action figure. I am
1: 90% sure he was announced today.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, Or like I saw him because I, as you mentioned with like the Pokemon stuff, I follow a lot of Instagram accounts that are like, hey, this is available for pre-order. Here's the link. You know, or this is a store exclusive. It's coming out this day. Uh And I, I'm if it maybe it already came out and I got a notification that restock somewhere. But, yeah, there is either an existing figure of him or one upcoming. But I think that's an easy fix. Like, I don't think uh, a lot of people are lining up for that figure. I'll find you one.
0: No, they don't want a uh,
1: old German man
0: action <laughs> figure.
1: Uh, yeah, not a lot of people, but, you know, you could maybe start a run on them, you know? Okay. Uh,
0: so I actually do have one more purchase, Adam, but it technically it wasn't a purchase for me. All right. So, uh, I'm bringing this up so you could give me all the shit, uh, here on the air that you need to give me in regards to this. So, um, if you listen to Longbox Heroes After Dark this week, uh, you could hear about some breathing issues that I had due to how dusty and pollen filled my uh, bedroom is so we had to go run to the store to buy me some new pillows i decided to get not the foam pillows but kind of like the higher end pillows for myself i mm-hmm. figure i've had the same pillows for 25 years it was time to treat myself and while i was out and about at target you know of course if i leave my house and i'm at a you know a store like this i have to go through the action figure aisle legally i have to right Mm -hmm. So I go through the target aisle where the World Wrestling Entertainment figures are, and like, eh, it's a decent selection, a lot of basics, a lot of whatevers, right? So then I go up the aisle, hang a right, and on the end cap of the next aisle over, they had a bunch of elites, including uh, the new Kevin Nash, the Wolfpack Kevin Nash. Yeah. Now, I'm so confused as to when things come out, because it's like, didn't I see Brian open this on Twitch like six months ago? And I know the distribution thing is starting to get a little bit better in our area than it used to be. So I'm like, okay. I go, I've never seen these figures out and about, but I haven't been out and about. I've never seen Adam take pictures of these figures. So I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to doll safari it out. Speaking of which, uh, toy boy, doll dude, my wife has thrown in, figure fellas.
1: <laughs> I like that one.
0: Yes, she was very, very proud very of that fancy. one. It's fancy. Right. So I send out the picture of the Nash. It's like, hey, they're out. You know, I, I found them in a wild. It's pretty cool. And uh one person reached out to me and said, Hey, could you grab that for me? And I let them know privately. I said, Hey, listen, the uh, you know, all the boxes here are in like not the best shape, right? And mm-hmm. I said, if you're an inbox collector, let me take pictures of the top of the boxes. Remember when you came over to do the Orange Cassidy switch and you you got the jewelers loop out and you were looking at the whatever it was, right? Yeah. So I took close-up pictures of like the tops of the box, the boxes, right? Mm. The tops of the fronts, I sent them to Tim because Tim of Final Wrestling Place is the one who reached out to me and said, hey, I need that. And I said, here's one, here's two, here's three. Tell me which one. And he said, three. Perfect. I grabbed it. Um, I worked myself into a shoot and I had the day off of work on Monday. So I was able to ship it to him on Monday. And, uh, Adam, I just want to say, uh, I'm $32 shipped by the way.
1: Oh, nice. Well,
0: uh, I'm not (laughs) trying, I'm legitimately not trying to gouge you.
1: Well, when I, uh, when I sent a figure to Marcus, I literally said, you know what? First of all, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out after I ship it. And I charged him to the penny. So it was probably like less than 32, but go. Right.
0: So I ate 10 cents on this.
1: Oh, all right. Because
0: <laughs> when well, it came right, when it came right down to it, I yeah. I ate the ten cents. Right, I found a dime on the floor, and I'm like, all right, we're even. <laughs> uh, but it got to Tim very quickly. He took a picture of it. He was very happy with the condition it arrived in. I wish he took a picture of how I packed it. Yeah. Um Because I should get a job at Ringside Collectibles because I know how to pack shit so it stays safe. Well, you would,
1: uh, you wouldn't fit in then.
0: Right, exactly. Um, (laughs) Sadly, I'm out of uh, uh, packing peanuts, so I couldn't put the one in the package like I used to do to other people when I would send them stuff. Um, (laughs) But then you
1: gave me a hard time saying that you needed one. Well, I wouldn't say a hard time. I just said, oh, would have been nice to know you found those. That was all. Uh, And and I did. I let everyone know that I Uh, found it. There's a difference between a public tweet and uh, it's all right. It's all right. When You just replied – Tim replied two
0: minutes after I tweeted it out. You replied two hours after I tweeted it out, after it had already, like, gone home and started packing his thing up, you know?
1: Well, I will just say, first things first, I would not have wanted one if they were in bad shape. So it's, it's right. a moot oh, point so that's,
0: And that's the other thing, right? They yeah. were, like, I don't know what's going on at that Wilkes-Barre target, but, um, like, like, the backs of the boxes were all really bad, like, on
1: everything. Yeah, I... I speculate and I have nothing to base this on, but I think it is not necessarily an employee, but it's a a customer that just does it intentionally. Because if you look there, I mean, there's one thing if you have a basic figure and like the card back is bent somewhere, you know, whatever they're bent when they're handled by people, they're bent when they're put in the boxes, but to see like a pegs worth of basics and every single one of them has chunks of the cardboard ripped off. And then to look at like stacks of elites or specifically ultimates, whenever you see ultimates at that store, just all of them looking like they were stepped on and it's like, all right, I can understand if it's one, if it's two, but it's all of them that you have somebody it's like, well, if I can't have them, nobody's going to have them. And it's just fucking shit up. So that's my theory. Cause I see that a lot at the wilkes best or wilkes target and Walmart as well.
0: So I'll, I will say this, I was there on a Sunday and that's when I saw the Nash I was out and about on Monday to deliver that and send some other stuff out and run some other errands. So I'm like, let me swing by Target again just to see if the Nashes are there and if they are, you know, I'll I'll push back on Adam just to see. The Nashes were gone, but what you're saying is, as I was getting there, and I was probably there around like 10:30, 11 o'clock ish, um, and th- the employees were literally taking new stock out of the box. And putting them on pegs. And as they left the aisle to go to the next aisle, I was looking at them. And the cars were already damaged that way.
1: So oh, I really? think
0: it's, yes.
1: Like ripped?
0: Um, not ri- So Okay, so it's so difficult for me to explain in, a, in an audio podcast where there is sure. no video, whatever, but...
1: Uh, give me two seconds. Sure. While you're doing that, what I'm saying is it's one thing to, you know, crumpled packaging, bent packaging, I get that that comes out of the box, because I, I don't have a
0: of, I, I hope you filled the time there as I got up, right?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about, like, how, like, it's one thing if something's bent, something's crumpled, because, you know, you're working in a warehouse, you're working in shipping, who gives a shit about this box that you're, you know, you, you throw it, you yeet it across the room, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I'm talking about the removal of portions of the packaging is what i'm seeing. Oh, okay,
0: like, so none none of them had anything like that. Nothing was that untoward. But it was just kind of like the the tops, like the eye hooks and stuff or the L hooks whatever were like very like used, right? Like somebody put them on the hooks with authority. Okay. Yeah. But just as an example when i was there and they had the Survivor series Bret Hart, which sadly is a bad figure you know they discussed that a bunch on major wrestling figure um i would have opened it if it was like if it, if the brett looked good i absolutely would have bought it and i probably would opened it but where the issue comes in is if you look at like an elite right mm. you know how like the back of the box where it's like the tabs that kind of fit into each other and they're taped together yep okay i went up and i grabbed my my kurt hawkins elite so i can kind of like explain to you as i'm looking at it So where the cardboard on, like, the the sides meets the cardboard on the back, right? It was almost as like they were being pulled apart from it. Does that make any sense?
1: Sure. Yeah, I get what you're saying.
0: And then it was, like, kind of pushed in a little bit. So it wasn't, like, flush against the side, and it wasn't flush against the back. It was kind of, like, mishandled. Not, like like destroyed but definitely not even like in very good shape i would say good enough shape
1: yeah Um, i mean it it must be really easy in life to be a a let him breathe collector you
0: know right right and as i went i grabbed my kurt hawkins figure here from uh what was this elite 64 uh on the back uh it says queens from queens new york weight 223 pounds uh, height 6 foot 1 finisher na
1: <laughs> well at the time he was in the middle of a losing streak so he probably never he actually never won a match since he got rehired right right yeah <laughs> but uh anyways going back to the very beginning of this story i'm just saying there's a difference between tweeting something out to the world and sliding into dms in a group chat or a direct text and be like hey i found these and uh But anyways, yes, I am still looking for the Nash. I am still looking for the Hollywood Piper. Uh, But uh, and uh, God forbid we ever get any of the new uh, new elites. I want the slaughter. But those hit ringside like a month ago. And we're probably four months away from them hitting our stores.
0: You know, I don't know. Like I said, we were talking here and, uh, you know, Kevin Ford informed me that Apparently going forward as these figures are going to be shipped out, at least the WWE figures, uh, like every figure is going to get like a case. So like if there's six figures in a set. The store is going to get six cases and each case is going to have all of that figure
1: in it. I mean, if regardless of whether that's true or not, it doesn't address the fact that like elite 92 is available like on ringside and 87 is what's in our stores. Right. You know. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I guess. All right. That's it for your purchases, Joe? Yeah, that's it, man. I do have a story to tell and I don't know if uh oh. if I if I mention any of this on the air, but I want to tell the story of my my recent being in PayPal jail. Yes. <laughs> so I, I you might have caught some of this uh, as I lamented the situation on Twitter and uh, other social networking, but uh, uh, this all came from me a couple weeks ago. Actually, probably closer to like two months ago. And our friend Todd Roker sent me a couple bucks on PayPal. It was just one of those things where he's like, "Hey, pick something up for me at the importer exporter business." So I was like, "No problem. I'll grab it. I'll drop it off on my way home." So he's like, what do I owe you? I'm like, ah, oh, just send me blah, blah, blah. It was like $8. It was nothing. So he sends it to me via PayPal friends and family. No problem. It shows up in my, I get the email from, uh, from PayPal. And it says, you've received $8 from Todd Roker. I'm like, all right, no problem. Later on that night, I went to buy something from Edward Bay. And I was like, oh, I'll just use the $8 that are in my account. And... It said, I have no money in my account. So I looked at my PayPal app and it said, I have $8 on hold. So I'm like, oh, that's weird that Todd's money didn't clear his checking account or whatever it was going to come from. I'll look at it tomorrow or whatever. So I don't think about it. Days go by, go into my PayPal app for whatever reason. It still says there's $8 on hold. So I click on the little description and it basically says, uh this money is could be on hold for various reasons uh it could be due to the fact that you have a new account uh or that there are too many defects at slash requests for refund on your account or you are in an industry that has a high level of fraud so i'm thinking well i'm an order
0: exporter
1: well yes uh, but i'm legitimately none of those um So I start Googling it. I actually ask it in the major pod group and that was, they were the least helpful people on the planet. I got 10 answers and none of them were, were what turned out to be accurate. But uh, one of the things that was prevailing from my Google searches was, oh, it could take up to 21 days for the money to, to release. So I'm like, all right, whatever it's $8. I can wait 21 days. I don't know what caused it, but you know, eight days from now, the money will be free. So, Eight, 21 days go by, the money's still on hold, Joe. So, ha! Huh. I call up PayPal, and it was one of those things where uh, I got somebody. I tried to explain the situation, and they told me the same thing. They're like, "Well, sir, you know that it, it's possible that the money's on hold because you know uh, you have a new account, or you're in a level, uh, an industry of high fraud, or you have too many defects on your account." And I forget what it was. I think it might have been a night we were recording. And I didn't like it was I had to be on the podcast shortly thereafter. So I was like, all right, whatever, you know, whatever. So I got off the phone. So another week or so goes by and I'm like, I got to start like I got people that I know that are like, oh, hey, I have that money I owe you. I'm going to send it to you. I'm like, no, don't don't send it to me. I don't know if it'll ever get to me. So I'm like, I got to get this PayPal thing straightened out. So I call him up again and I'm like, this time I have time and I'm going to you know, kind of find out what the deal is. So I explain, I'm like, hey, I have this money and I think it's been sitting in there for over a month at this point. So maybe even closer to like a month and a half. And uh, what I'm neglecting to mention is I had somebody at work, I literally said to him, I was like, here's a dollar, I'm gonna hand you a dollar. Do me a favor, send me a dollar on PayPal. I wanna see if it comes through just to see if for some reason it was just Todd's money. Right. You know, But this person, at work I
0: know who sends Todd money through PayPal. So that could be an issue.
1: Yeah. So I have this person at work, send me like a dollar or $2, whatever it was. And that money went on hold as well. Mm. So, and now keep in mind, both of these transactions were friends and family transactions. You know, they weren't goods and services. So I call up PayPal and I'm like, yo, what's the deal with this? And again, they give me the same speech. It's like new accounts. You know, uh, high-level fraud, too many defects, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I need to talk to somebody that can explain specifically why my account is locked down. I'm like, all right, let me give you a supervisor. So they get me a supervisor who says the exact same stuff. And I'm like, all right, so the first thing you said is it could happen if you have a new account, correct? And they're like, yes. Can you see in your records when my PayPal account was created? And they're like, "Uh, yeah, 2004. I'm like, is that a new account? And they're like, no, it isn't. <laughs> All right, so the other thing you said is that your my account has too many defects. Can you point out a defect on my account? Uh, No, sir, we can't. All right. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, and you say that it happens to people that are in an industry of a high level of fraud. Can you tell me what industry am I in? Well, well it, certain industries are a high level of fraud with a high level. Okay, I get that. What industry am I in? Like, do I sell widgets? Do I do dog grooming? Like, what is it that I do that could possibly fall into that? Well, we don't have access to that information, sir. All right, well, let me ask you this. When is my money going to be available? Now, here's the rub, Joe. My money would never be released based on a timetable. My account was flagged to have a mandatory reserve of $100, ah. which means if you sent me $101, PayPal would hold on to 100 of it just to make sure I'm a good person and then allow me to withdraw that dollar. So I would always have to maintain a continuous balance of $100 in my PayPal account, which is basically an interest-free loan for PayPal, just Mm. to make sure that I don't have any defects to my account. So I said to the person, I was like, all right, I need this fixed. Okay, well, we have a department that handles that, and they kind of just like will reassess your account and find out why, yada, yada, yada all right, cool. When can I expect a response about this? Oh, within 48 hours. Okay, cool. What is my case number regarding this? Well, when we get off the phone, you'll get an email with your case number. So you can't give me anything right now. No, we don't have anything now. Well, what I can do, sir, is we can actually call you as soon as we have a resolution. I was like, okay, call me. Here's my number, blah, blah, blah. Perfect. You know, so hang up the phone. This is like a half hour, 40, 40 minute long conversation. So, Joe, 48 hours go by. I don't get any phone call. Oh, first things first. I don't get an email with a case number. Of course. Ever. ever. Uh, I never get that phone call. So I wait a week and then I call back and I'm like, that's it. I'm fucking going to war with PayPal. <laughs> you know, because it's one thing. OK, yeah, well, ten dollars is locked up and I'm like, whatever, I can lose ten dollars. But I'm like, I what I'm never going to have access to PayPal again. Like I can't sell stuff in the major pod group or have somebody who owes me money pay me back. Uh, so I call them up again and I explain all the same stuff again. And I get the same spiel about like, oh, high levels of fraud and industry and, you know, a new account. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, give me a supervisor. You know, I'm being nice, but I'm just like, I'm going to cut you off here. So I get the supervisor and I say all the same stuff. And basically, uh, one of the things I forget, I'm forgetting here is like, when it came to, like, the industry, um, they mentioned, like, well, computers scan the comments. You know how they have in the PayPal comments? Yeah. And when you are buying stuff, like, a lot of times, like, especially if you're buying from maybe the hosts of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, they'll always specify, do not leave anything in the comments. Yeah. Uh, so, one of the bits of information that I was able to glean was that uh, they scanned the comments, and if somebody said something like, oh... For this card or for this, you know, here's money for this thing that you bought me. And whatever it is might trigger something. And that's how they think you're in a high fraud industry. So Mm. whatever it was that flagged my account was based on the comment section. Interesting. Okay. Because I had had
0: questions at the end of this, but I'm glad you answered them before I got to them.
1: Yeah. So again, uh, all the same spiel. I was like, when was my account created? Show me some defects, all that stuff. And then they also brought up, well, sir, another contributor to your account being flagged could be the fact that all of your incoming money is our friends and family transactions and they're not goods and services. Okay. So I'm like, okay, so am I not allowed to accept money, goods or friends and family? Well, no, we just actually like prefer that, like, if it's over a certain amount, I was like, okay, you prefer. but where does it actually say that? Because I'm looking at your website, and right on the front of the website it says receive money from friends and family, splitting a check, pay your friends back with like PayPal, like all those different things. So I'm reading right. off the website.
0: You so like, you you eat out a lot with friends. Yeah, <laughs> in different states, and it's always thirty five dollars every time. I completely
1: yeah. understand. <laughs> it's always thirty five shipped. You know. <laughs> uh, So uh, again, this is just a little bit more information I'm getting. So I, I, again, I'm going around and around, but at least I got some more information. So they're like, okay, well, we, I get why you're saying like, you know, your account shouldn't be flagged, but like it it is. And there's really nothing I can do about it. I was like, no, I was like, I want my PayPal account back. I was like, either that, or I'm going to go to some other service. And I was like, look at how many things I buy through PayPal. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about like buying stuff from the major group or, or eBay, but like I use PayPal. Like if I go to whatever, I go to Amazon and I click yep. check out via PayPal, it's just whatever reason it's easier. You know, it's one login that I use for everything. So I was like, do you see how much stuff I buy with PayPal? And they're like, yeah, I was like, so I will shut down my PayPal accounts if you don't unlock this account. And they're like, all right, well, what we can do is we can send it up to an escalation. I was like, well, I've been down this road. Well, no, that's really the only way to do it. And what they'll do is they'll call you back within 48 hours. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. I was like, can I get a case number? Sure, you can get a case number. Hold on. I'm like, oh, it's that easy, right? Well, yeah, every time you talk to somebody, you get a case number. I was like, oh, this last jabron I talked to said that I would get one emailed to me. Oh, no, we have one here. So this is like an hour-long phone call where I still have no resolution other than a case number. And so literally three days go by. I get an email from PayPal. It literally says, congratulations, restrictions on your account have been lifted due to your good standing with PayPal. So after like almost two months of not having the ability to withdraw my money, uh, I finally proved I was a good citizen and I'm out of PayPal jail.
0: (laughs) That's good. I, I had a feeling that it was going to be somehow directed through, um, a lot of the wheelings and dealings that you're doing in the major Facebook group.
1: But that's the thing I looked at all of the transactions I've done and I haven't sold a lot in the major pod group. I've sold maybe less than 10 things. And I went and I looked and nobody left me comments on anything. None of them said, oh, this is for the, you know, whatever. I don't even know what I was sold. You know, here's here's some money for the Colonel Mustafa Target exclusive. You know, that was the last opportunity. Uh, but there were no comments. But again, that was just something that they had said could be a contributor to your account getting flagged. Right. But definitely there was more incoming friends and family transactions over the last couple months. Than there ever was, but nothing with the comments, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it could be major pod related, but I just wonder, I do so little amount of transactions in comparison to a lot of the people in that group. And, you know, nobody had any idea what I was talking about when I said my account had a reserve.
0: There, and I know that you said that there was nothing in the comments, right? Yeah. But there must have been something And again, as I'm just trying to figure this out from the information that you said that they gave you, that there must have just been the right amount of number of friends and family transactions, whether they be coming in or going out, the wrong amount of number amongst the wrong amount of time frame. And like for that week or that month or whatever it was, something in the algorithm that said, if we see an account that has X amount of friends and family transactions over X amount of days, it just automatically gets flagged and they don't investigate. They don't do anything else like that. Or if we see X amount of friends and family transactions with nothing in the comments, then it gets flagged. Uh, so at least like you figured it out, at least they got to the bottom of it and you got your PayPal unlocked. That's the most yep. important thing.
1: Yep. Uh, so anybody wants to send me any money by all means now is the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Because I was going to say, I'm like, oh, shit, was it Todd that was the impetus from this? But really, Todd is the only person outside of you um, that I send any money, friends and family to on a, uh, I wouldn't say a regular basis, but at least a once a month basis.
1: Yeah, when I get that fucking money, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I was even just, as we were talking, I just pulled up on my phone. I'm the same way. I'm looking here. When I went to Target the other day. I paid for the Kevin Nash figure with through Target, you know? Yeah. Um, I did digital comics. I did an Amazon purchase. I did a Walmart purchase. I bought uh, a game through Steam. And a lot of the stuff, I don't, I'm not much of a recurring billing person, but the few recurring billing things that I have are all through PayPal. Yeah. Because I'm guaranteed to get that email, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was uh, very infuriating, and uh, like I use PayPal a lot, so I was uh, I didn't want to go and try to figure out Venmo or Cash App or any of that stuff. Because I'm <laughs> I'm an old, you know, right? That those are those are the things that
0: drug dealers use.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or wrestlers that are on go for broke.
0: There you go. <laughs> Might be one of the same. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, that's all I got you. All right. Well, thank you very much for sharing that story with us. Yeah. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 162 of At Odds with Wrestling. Uh, For Adam, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. Be safe. If you're not vaxxed, not boosted, get tested. If you're out this best weekend and uh, enjoy some wrestling, everyone.